0: What's going on, North South Connection? This is Mike Rossi, and I am joined by Andrew Reish for our annual, I think this is our third time, preseason breakdown of the upcoming college basketball season. How are you doing today, Andrew?
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Oh, you know, we're, we're living the dream. I mean, um, I'm still, well, you're floating. living, you're living
1: the dream. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you're right. You're right. I'm still thinking about, uh, you're that, a UConn
1: that, fan and they all yep. win the championship.
0: Yeah. I'm still thinking about Houston. We're hanging the banner in about a week. So I'm looking forward to that. So um, there's a lot going on, a lot's changed in the college basketball landscape in the last year. Um, obviously the transfer portal keeps getting crazier, The conference tides keep changing. We're going to go through all of that. We're going to break down each major conference. We're going to talk about all the teams that we think will make the tournament. Players we think will get some hardware for conference players of the year and whatnot. Um, We're also going to break down some of the mid-majors so we can kind of go back and look at this at the end of the year and see how many of these mid-majors we're high on that end up making the NCAAs. Then we're going to run through the top 25 that each of us have we have a couple of things that we disagree on, but for the most part, I think we're pretty whole. Um, and then we're going to, you know, throw a stab at our Final Four, who will be heading to Phoenix next April. Um, yeah, it, it,
1: will, it will be absolutely right for sure. Like, yeah, you know, no I, don't, be wrong.
0: I don't think we could have been more off last year. And this is me as a UConn fan that didn't even think about it. But I did put them in the there this only year. One, so.
1: The only one I was proud of is I think I said in the preview portion that it was going to be San Diego State.
0: Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, that's it. right. And I know we and were they both high in, in the
1: championship game.
0: Right. We were both high in Creighton, too. And they ended up, you know, one bounce away from the final four. Mhm. So those are that was probably the game of the tournament last year. Um, but other than that, um, l- let's first get into the offseason, Andrew. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds great. So the conference tides continue to, to swing. The Pac-12 is pretty much... And it's last legs now. There's gonna be it's a few dead. teams left.
1: Yeah, there's only yeah. two teams left.
0: Now. Yep. So you know the 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 whole chip, the, the whole dominoes fell when Arizona and Arizona State fled to the Big Twelve. That also kept UConn out of the Big Twelve. Uh, that was that was gonna happen if Arizona Arizona State didn't go. Uh, but that was kind of the last chip that fell for that conference falling to pieces. So um, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to live in a world without the Pac-12 and. I still think they've got a move to make maybe with the Mountain West or or something because they've got some TV deals that are pretty easily out there. So um, what do you what do you think happens there with the remaining teams in the Pac-12 and just the, the name of the conference in general?
1: So the two teams remaining that haven't gotten landed a home just yet, as we're talking, I believe are Oregon State. And gosh, what was, what's that last Pac-12 team that's that's hanging out there where they just never found out?
0: Was like it that? was it Washington State?
1: Yes, the Wazoo, yeah. the Washington yeah. State, and the Cougars. And we all know this is all defined by the football realignment. And that's the reason why the conference is making TV deals and getting you know different regional schools to try to expand the membership in order to get the biggest TV audience and the biggest TV deal possible with all the networks. Um, so for the Pac-12, I I do think at the I do think one of the fallbacks will be that if independence does not FBS independence does not work out for them that great like say Notre Dame does, I can see a scenario where Oregon State and Washington State join up with the Mountain West as almost like a kinship and they rename the entire conference. I, I can see that, but. That's kind of I don't know how quickly that's going to be put into place. I do think that Washington State and Oregon State as football schools could probably operate independently uh, without too much of an issue and having to give back too much money as member schools of a new conference and not being able to get the same cut, because supposedly that's what happened with the new ACC members, which are Cal, Stanford and SMU, who's going to leave the American conference. Which also has a basketball ramification. They might they're going to get like a slightly smaller cut than um, than they thought they were going to. This was also going to happen with Gonzaga, where Gonzaga yeah. was being recruited to join the Big Twelve, and they were like, "Yeah, but you don't have a football program, so you're not going to get the same TV um, share that you know in terms of rights that say Texas that say Baylor does and Oklahoma does and 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 Kansas does. You're not going to get that, and so." There's still, long story short, there's still a lot of talking going on about whether or not there's going to be some more um, musical chairs with the conferences. It's a shame the Pac-12 is falling apart. We saw this with the Big East, not by name, but by membership, where a lot of teams fled for the ACC. But the Big East, that year in 2013 was still an excellent conference. And I'm not saying that the PAC 12 is an excellent conference. We're going to have time to talk about the conference when we get to it, but it's, it is sad that we have to see a historic conference like that, which was started as a PAC eight way back in the eighties, just totally fall apart like that because of uh, conference realignment. You know, I didn't want to see yeah. the entire conference just go goodbye.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the football landscape, um, Army just signed on to go. Was that the American? I think that they, they just joined up with the American. I believe so. Yeah. Um, right. And then that's really only going to leave Notre Dame, who basically is already playing an e c c schedule, um, as well as UMass and UConn, because UConn's the Big East doesn't have the football um, uh, league. So it's there's definitely going to be room for some independents out there, and there's a lot of good things to say about having an independent team because you can kind of make the schedule whatever you want it to be and I mean let's be honest those aren't teams that are hunting for national titles Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out another thing that kind of came across um, the news feed in the last couple days was um, Big East Media Day for basketball Val Ackerman who was the um, commissioner of the Big East said that pretty matter-of-factly that Gonzaga is a perfect fit for the Big East. Um, Not obviously by geography, because that would be kind of a clusterfuck, but they stay in constant contact, which makes a lot of sense. Um, The full quote that I have here is, um, let's see, I just had it here and it went away. So Gonzaga is a natural fit for a school like the Big East, and for a conference like the Big East, in regards to their basketball focus, their enrollment, their budget, it's totally on point. Gonzaga is going to be the big chip that's still going to fall here for the college basketball landscape, right? Because they are a perennial Final Four favorite. They've got like that. They are a basketball
1: them. superpower.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be interesting when it ends up happening with them. I don't see, I mean, while I liked the WCC a lot this year, um, it just doesn't seem like something that's going to last forever with Gonzaga there. So what are your thoughts with Gonzaga? Do you think they ultimately make the move or, you know, how far into the, this um, new brand of realignment do you think Gonzaga stays put?
1: So before the big realignment actually happened over the last couple of years, the one that I felt like was the biggest outlier was Kansas basketball, because even though Kansas has a football program and they've have had better years in the last few Uh, there was a situation where some people thought that the big 12 was going to fall apart and that they were going to lose their broadcast deal and they weren't going to be able to get a renewal done and their members were going to all bail and they, and, and, um, the, I don't remember the name of the, of the head of the, I think his name is Brett Yomak, but. Some people thought he was going to be left holding the bag. So some people thought, okay, what's going to happen to Kansas? Well, as college basketball fans, it's very realistic to say that even though they aren't, like, the most spectacular football program, the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program on its own is is a moneymaker. It's a blue-blood program. And I don't want to say Gonzaga is a blue-blood program, but when it comes to mid-major, it's about as good as it gets. So if you're able – to get that on a Fox TV deal, uh, and you just have to share some more of the rights uh, with a West Coast team, and you have to do more traveling like that. I think there be they are willing to sort of look like look past the geographical like BS of it all, just like the other conferences are, for the sake of having another Catholic school in there with a lot of really good history, like Gonzaga. You know, they played in the national championship game twice in the last six years.
0: Yeah. And they're always a team that's in, you know, they're in the elite eight, they're in the sweet 16, or sweet 16. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like an automatic pencil them in there. Um, obviously and they're probably
1: going to be years. good again.
0: Yeah. I mean, they had Saint some, we'll talk about it, but they had some great transfers.
1: St. Mary's is unique. Cause it's a very, very small school. They, I don't even know if they have a football program. Um, but Randy Bennett has built such a great program there, so I can actually I can see him trying to get into one of the big boy tables, but I I I just can't say. I think they'll just wind up quote unquote stuck in the WCC.
0: Yeah, the the I'll tell you what, St. Mary's, while well, UConn ran roughshod through the tournament last year, that was the
1: game that I was the most
0: scared during. Um, I was there, um, and you know I was obviously there at the Iona game as well on on the first Friday. When we were down at halftime, but that St. Mary's game, there was an injury to one of their rotation guys late at the end of the first half. And if that didn't happen, that was going to be a tight game because that kid was kind of unconscious from three in that game. So um, St. Mary's is great. It's going to be very interesting when we start talking about the WCC here a little bit that that is kind of what's made that conference go is the same Mary's Gonzaga rivalry over the last few years. And it's cool to see the, the transfer portal really kind of help like some of these schools that might get some names to, that come into them. Like St. Mary's is kind of homegrown at this point, but Um, like Aiden Mahaney, like this freshman that came out of nowhere last year. The WCC is my favorite basketball to watch at like 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: So um, (laughs) it's going to be the new after dark because the Pac-12 will be gone.
0: Right, right. So now as far as the conference tournament talk goes, the NIT, there's going to be a new NIT that's setting up shop, what, in Las Vegas? Is that correct?
1: I think so. Either that or Madison Square Garden. So they're basically going to try to replace – that non the basically the bubble teams that didn't make it NIT that's on ESPN and Fox wants to create their own tournament but there's a lot of people in the back of their minds that think that what this is is that this is a fallback in the event that we have this mass exodus where I mean let's be real Mike like the NCAA is on Really thin ice right now with their with their school memberships. At the moment they try to declare anybody ineligible based off of student athlete standards, they get immediately destroyed in the media by the institution and then they have to walk back all their comp. They are so scared of losing the schools and the conferences that if they just secede from the NCAA entirely, the conferences are going to do what they did with the football playoff. And they'll just go all in with uh different money deals directly with the networks like this new NIT on Fox and just say, Hey, we don't need March Madness where we have, we only get half of the revenue or 30% of the revenue. Why don't we get more of that and just start over with a brand new tournament?
0: Right. It's, it's a smart move. And I think a lot of I mean, if you watch the NIT this past year, I watched a little bit of it um, because I was interested to see how Villanova's young guys are going to look. And they got like the the doors blown off on a road game and like this 3000 seat gym. I don't remember who they were playing, Mm -hmm. but that kind of pushes some of these schools from even wanting to be in that NIT. So. If they can do like a centralized location and, you know, maybe you know, incentivize these kids with a trip to Vegas or something, it might hook up the tournament to be something fun that, you know, some of these schools that were bubble bubbles at burst can actually go and, you know, have one last showing, maybe put on I, a show I for think NBA it would scouts. Be,
1: I think it would be interesting, but I don't know if it's possible if teams that get eliminated in the tournament join that NIT. Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: I especially like that idea for teams. I'm not saying that's
1: what's gonna happen,
0: it, yeah, it, I especially like that. I
1: back in the, I'm sorry, this happened way back in the 50s. We used yeah. to have. The two tournaments and they used to barnstorm and do both of them, or they would do one and they didn't want to play the other team because they weren't, they were afraid they were going to lose. So they would not play in the NIT, uh, talk about like Kentucky and, um, I forget the name of that, uh, New York school that won the national titles in the forties, but, um, But that happened all the time when uh, when there were two tournaments, they were feuding with one another. They were not. And that's what I think this is. This is a tournament that they're creating to say, hey, if you don't like the way March Madness is going, how about you come over here?
0: Yeah. And I mean, think about an 1111 game in Dayton when the loser, the winner goes on to the tournament. The loser goes to be the the one and the two seed in the um, the new NIT. Like, I think that's a fun idea and it kind of also puts a little bit of added focus on those those playing games too so there's a lot of potential there and let's see how it all shakes out and obviously the last thing that i want is anything to happen to the big tournament because it's my favorite thing every year um, but you know as money talks changes are made so we'll see how that, yeah, that shakes um, out
1: that will be at the end of the 2020s like 2030 is the end of the deal i want to say yeah so that's gonna know for sure okay what are the networks really want to do do they want to go re-up with the ncaa a lot of people feel like the ncaa's tv deal is the like it, it in terms of uh the former the former and this is why he's the former head uh bark embert it's like it was one of the most low-ball deals of all time like he signed like two 10-year deals where it was like it went exponentially higher midway through the deal both times so you got so the the network's were able to get their hands on March Madness uh coverage at pretty much nickels on the dollar. Yeah. That's not going to happen next time. The NCAA is desperate now because of the NIL and feeling like they're losing they're losing their identity in in pop culture and in sports, so they're probably going to want triple whatever the the rights were the last time around and if the if the networks balk at it that's when you're going to see the musical chairs again. And that's not, not talking about conferences, talking about the NCAA as an institution.
0: Yeah. And like the other thing to keep in mind is that as these conferences become these superpowers, there's going to be a lot of changes that are done to even conference tournaments. Um, The ACC was talking just this week about how once they go to 18 teams, they likely won't include all 18 in their conference tournament. And that sucks because My favorite. You can't. You can't put all eighteen. You can't put all eighteen
1: squads in hotels.
0: Yeah, it sucks for that that entire conference tournament week because nothing is better than that fourteen seed in a conference tournament that ends up in the conference final just out of the blue that tries to seal somebody's uh, bid. Um, So that's something that I don't like. I wish there was a way to remedy it, but you're right. With 18, you almost need to have two tournaments at that point, (laughs) you know what I mean, where they might have the winner of each tournament convene in the middle. So
1: there um, there are some, there are possible, that's the one shame about the big 12, where they're going to expand, um, you know, by adding Houston, I think you said Arizona, you mentioned Arizona and Arizona state. I like the fact that it's round Robin because there's only 10, there's only 10 schools in the conference. Yeah. Uh, because by having that, you get to see both sides of it—home road for every team—just uh, kind of like kind of same way pro sports is uh, for the most part, other than the NFL, where you can have lopsided schedules because there's not as many games. Where, whereas it, it, with super conference scheduling uh, in the future, it's not possible. There might be situations where teams in the same conference might not play each other for years. In basketball.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And that's why I like the, the, I mean, Big East is the same way. 11 teams, you round robin, 20 games. That still gives teams plenty of, of out-of-conference punch. So whenever we've talked about, you know, how teams might get added in there, I'm like, well, we can probably handle one and go to 22. But after that, it would be a little bit much. So, all right, good right. stuff, Andrew. So now the best part of the postseason um, or the offseason, I should say, of the NCAAs lately has been the transfer portal. So we're going to talk about three Pretty high-profile names in pretty high-profile places that I think are all going to make some immediate impacts on their new squads. And we're going to start with what might be, in all honesty, the biggest transfer portal coup of all time. When Hunter Dickinson somehow left Michigan, he battled between internally between Kansas and Kentucky. There was, I'm sure, a gigantic bag of cash involved. But Hunter Dickinson is now a member of Bill Self's Kansas Jayhawks. So, what was your initial thought when you heard Hunter
1: Dickinson was going to Kansas? Uh, well, first of all, I was like I know he's going to say something about it on his podcast on Barstool Sports if he still has it. I don't even know if he has it anymore. Yeah, but, Self um, might shut that down. He's he's an outspoken guy. He's very talented. You know, he was when he um when he was at Michigan and they were able, they went to the Elite 8, he was sort of like kind of coming along as a I believe he was a freshman at the time and they had they had a good year his sophomore year in the tournament where they had a good run they didn't play as well his junior year and I, I can I can tell you could tell that he was disappointed with the result uh, it's hard to keep players happy and I player satisfaction with playing time and fit and winning that does th- that matters a lot with with kids in college now if they don't feel like they're in a winning situation they are going to leave if they have the ability to do it without bouncing, you know, to a school a second time or a third time in their career where they have to they they're forced to wait they're going to probably take the opportunity elsewhere and i think we're well past that threshold of like oh man i can't believe this player did that he's such he betrayed us like you know, the fan bases locally will definitely boo those people, but we have one involving LJ Cryer. He went from Baylor to Houston. But the thing is that I I do think we're at a point where so many of these players are doing it now in the transfer portal because it's so hot and heavy. And, you know, we're going to talk about these three main ones that I think people just get a little hot and bothered by something that they can't control anymore because of capitalism. And, Hunter Dickinson's I don't know what the number is there were I remember there were reports Oscar Sheway got like two million uh, yeah. to go back to Kentucky but that wasn't transfer portal that was um that was just like a an incentive to stay one more year in college this was to leave um and we saw the direct benefit of that with Miami uh with Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong so if Kansas has taken a stab at it now that they're finally out of the NCAA sanction cloud because they finally did away with that entire investigation. Thank God that now it feels like, okay, now Kansas taking the gloves off. Now they're going to pay the big boy money to get the big boy players.
0: Yeah. And and it it brings just the, the entire NCAA big, like the big man into conversation piece, because you look at the last few years, I mean, a guy like Zach Eadie who just ran through the NCA last year as clear and away player of the year, he didn't go pro, as, and that's because a guy of his play style is really made for college basketball, right? True,
1: Timmy just finished his four years in Gonzaga. I don't think right. he even made the Milwaukee Bucks. Right, Timmy
0: just Timmy didn't make the Bucks, but he you know had to play in college for thirty five years. Dickinson's been there for a while. shebway you know, player of the year came back for another year. Hell, Armando Bacot's been in North Carolina for a decade now. Uh, look at because, the
1: um look at the most outs look at the MOPs of the last two years. Now, uh, t- granted, um, um, Abaji won it in 22, but Dave McCormick was a big part of that team in Kansas that won it all in 22. Yeah. Um, and then in 23 it was Adama Sanogo. A Sanogo barely made it in the NBA.
0: Yeah, it's he just, he made the Bulls. I'm not
1: saying it's uh-huh.
0: But it was undrafted, and I mean he's probably a six-eight big guy, but He's got a motor, and he would have probably come back to UConn if Donovan Klingon didn't need 25 minutes a game. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like it's the way of the dinosaur. So if this is the if this is the the fit that is better in college because you're, you know, I don't want to say on a remedial level with players, but it's true. You're just not. It's not the same level as pro. Euro league or the NBA or even the G league. But if you're able to look dominant against those players, why, why leave and try to struggle in the G league? Why don't you just play another year and dominate?
0: Right. And um, it's interesting to see the big guys at Kansas who always get top recruit classes this year. It's really, I mean, they had a couple of recruits that ended up blowing, blowing town um, late, but they didn't really have a, a big incoming freshman class but they did it in the portal, you know, like Dickinson came in, Nick Timberlake from um, where the hell did he go? I don't Towson. remember. Towson. I, he was I thought he was coming to UConn. And they came out of sight, out of mind. Um, And then Spencer Braun, too. Yeah. So they, they were able to surround their guys like McCullough. We'll talk about them in a bit. But McCullough, Adams and Harris now have three, you know, experienced friends to, to play with. So that'll be cool to see how a big school like that embraces the portal now when we're so used to kind of those like. You know, middle level schools really jumping on that portal. So um, the next one's going to be Max Asemus, He went to Texas from Oral Roberts. Um, Now, this is a a very big catch for Texas because he kind of is a historical level scorer at the NCAA level. How do you think he's going to fit into Texas?
1: Uh, if he becomes the number one option on offense, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I'm curious to see if he'll be on track to be where Antoine Davis is where Davis at. um, Gosh, what was what school did he play at Detroit Mercy?
0: Yeah, Detroit Mercy. And he, he missed like that by almost, what, like
1: one postseason game, maybe an NIT game. Yeah. If yeah. they had won the NIT game, he would have been able to pass it. And he was like nine points shy of Pete Baravich's record. Like Asmus might do it, but I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the numbers and see how close that really is. But Asmus is a, is a impact player. That's a guy who once upon a time in the Indi- Indianapolis bubble tournament in 21, he was the reason why they, him and um a guy named Kevin O'Banner, they were the reason why Oral Roberts got to the, uh, the Sweet 16, and they upset Ohio State in a shocker in the first round. So that that's that is a big time player, and he's gonna come in. He's gonna make a lot of shots or take a lot of shots. Um, Eh, some people might say because it's a mid to high major move, it might be risky, but we've seen mid to high major players like Brandon Clark. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of other guys that were at a smaller school. Then they moved up a year to a high major and they and they thrived. But it it's not it's not foreign for a player like Azemus to come in and just take over uh, yeah. at a program, especially where Texas lost a few pieces.
0: Yeah, and the Big 12 is a very guard heavy conference anyways. Um uh, I mean look at what they were able to do at K State with Jerome Tang last year with um like a legitimate midget basically in the backcourt. So, yeah, uh, the
1: uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the phrase coined by uh, with uh Jerome Tang when they beat Kentucky. We got dudes like yeah. that's, that's what, the, that's what the transfer portal is full of. They're full of dudes, like people who've played for years. And if you give them the opportunity and you have a good enough team to sneak to the tournament, and you give them that one opportunity, that one shiny moment, they're going to get you over the hump.
0: Yeah. And that team lost a lot too. So there's going to be a lot of shots available there for him. I'm kind of bullish on him as in general, but I'm not so sure how good that team's gonna end up being, but they could end up being great. I like Rodney Terry. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, the kid is just a complete stud. Um, they're going to be a, a tough out come March for sure. When all is said and done. Um, and then lastly, probably the most controversial name of the of this portal um, turn, um, Caleb Love left UNC. Um, he went to, obviously he had a very down year last year off that huge, um, final run the 2022, um, he tried to get into Michigan and it didn't work because of the scholarship standard that Michigan supposedly had, which kind of surprised by looking at their football program. Um, but they have scholarship
1: you know, standards, <laughs> right?
0: Exactly. is like, I mean, what are they doing in North Carolina and Arizona? If this guy had an issue at Michigan. Um, But what do you think about Caleb Love jumping into that Arizona group that, you know, lost some star power, but still has a lot coming back?
1: It's one where Arizona had the need uh, because they did lose a couple of pieces and Love definitely was trying to find a spot to fit in. So it's a good fit um, if he's allowed to play fast and shoot first, which I'm assuming Tommy Lloyd will let him do. um, He'll be able to thrive there. Uh, They they have other people they can give the ball to in Arizona, so he's not they don't necessarily have to just throw him the ball all the time. And he got criticized a lot. There's a lot of uh, other there were a lot of other reasons why they were saying he didn't get along with R.J. Davis at uh, North Carolina and such and such. But that was just sort of like like college rumors. But we'll see if a change of scenery can help him. That's what the transfer portal is about. It's about like, OK, if I go to a new setting, can I do better there than in the place that I was at before? And, you know, some ta- sometimes it, a lot of times that is true because a lot of these players, they go down a level, I guess you could uh, safely say, and some they don't. They like you have these mid-major people that go to a bigger school and they, they're just kind of like good role players. You know, we right. saw that with uh, I believe we saw that with um oh, I'm forgetting the name of that guy. I think his name was Nick Pringle. Uh, I want to say he was a transfer uh, and they have another one named Jordan Dingle <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> he played at yeah. Penn. Yeah, he's, gonna and be he's a going to be going to, you know, yeah, you know, Cam um, Spencer,
1: he was at a small school at Loyola, Maryland. He looks good at Rutgers and now he's at UConn. So right. sometimes you just have to bounce around.
0: Right. Look what we did with Calcaterra last year. I mean, I didn't even know who the hell that kid was. And next thing you know, he's shooting 45 percent for three from us. If
1: I had to make a number on it, I would say that more than 50 percent of your team is transfers.
0: More yeah. Than 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then um, now what other transfers that we didn't really talk about um, might make a big impact this year?
1: Uh, Kaluma at uh, Kansas State could be helpful, along with Tyler Perry. Uh, I know that's a long joke, Tyler Perry, but he he played at North Texas under Grant McCaslin. He was their best player for like two or three years. So that combo in Kansas State are going to jump right in and play right away. Um, there's Jameer Nelson Jr., who actually was pretty good, I believe, at St. Louis. Or unless I'm unless I think actually I, I take that back. He was at Delaware. Delaware, he had, he had yeah. He's gonna be at TCU. He's gonna be taking yeah. the place where Mike Miles was. And I'll give you another one: Jamarian Sharp, who was the one of the best shot blockers in the in the country. He's going. He went to Ole Miss with Chris Beard. So yeah. that those are a couple. Yeah, Kaluma is interesting because I mean that
0: coming out of the 2022 tournament, that guy looked like a surefire lottery pick. I actually was shocked he didn't go pro then. Um, came back last year, he looked lost. Um, that Creighton team was weird at one point because of the Calc Brenner injury. Um, you know, before conference play. It really took them a while to get going and then they were clicking and come tournament time. But um that guy's got all the talent in the world. He just needed a new change of scenery and I think Tang is the perfect fit for him. We'll get the most out of him. Um and uh, right. for what I'm thinking is obviously we already mentioned LJ prior to Houston, like he fits perfect with what Samson does down there. Um, and then I want to mm-hmm. give villain you know, I, I, am not a big um, Kyle Neptune guy, but I think Villanova absolutely crushed it in the portal. Um, Hakeem Hart, TJ Bamba, Tyler Burton. Um, those are three guys that are added into their already. Experienced Tyler core. In
1: Richmond. He was, he was Richmond's best player.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. He Burton, Grew up in Uxbridge, Massachusetts, not too far from me and probably 20 minutes from Providence. So it'll be cool to see him do the big, big East run this year. Um, so, yeah, perfect. So that's that's it for the portal, guys. So now we're going to get going with some tournament I'm uh, not even tournament talk, but some conference talk. Um, we are going to open up with uh, the American Athletic Conference, which is the first season of who is obviously the prohibitive favorite here. Now that Houston is gone with Florida Atlantic. Um so you think Florida Atlantic is the runaway favorite here?
1: I don't think they're the runaway favorite because I do believe and we saw this with Loyola Chicago in the A10 where they were great in the Missouri Valley but when they went to the A10 they you know they had to take a couple of licks. Florida Atlantic's bringing back everybody, including the head coach, Dusty May, that made that final four. Um, I don't think it was all smoke and mirrors for Florida Atlantic. I think they were a tough team that played really good defense, and they were they had a really nice strategy. And J- John L. Davis being back and Martin being back, that's enormous for them. But I do think it's a step up in competition versus Kusa. Uh, no disrespect to Conference USA, but it's just harder. And um, Memphis is good. Uh, SMU is going to try to step it up because they're in the ACC or going to the ACC, and Tulane is there. They got some money. UAB with um, oh gosh, who's the who's the now uh, Andy Kennedy? Like they got other teams that could trip them up. So they're going to take their losses, but so I don't think they're going to dominate the conference. Long story short.
0: Yeah, and they did a really good job building their non-con. Um, they didn't take on um, any real cupcakes. Uh, they kind of i mean i think Florida Gulf coast I've, they picked up on that is
1: one change i wish i would have said at the top of the show that the days of cupcake don conference is over if you yeah. have a bad if you have a weak don conference now like basically and we even saw this with Kentucky where Kentucky and Indiana just he, did not want to play each other and they yeah. finally said okay enoughs enough there, i think the reason why is because either expansion will happen with the tournament whether we like it or we don't um and they're just not afraid to take losses anymore or if you have a very poor non-conference schedule based off of selection committee history, you will not make the tournament if you're a bubble team. So right. you have to challenge yourself.
0: You right. And they did a really good job. I mean, they, I know they added a lot of these late because of all the tourney buzz, but they're in like five little postseason turn or preseason tournaments here. It's kind of crazy. You don't see that. The days they're, of hiding,
1: those blind spot right. weeks are over. Duke yeah. really scheduled Arizona.
0: Yeah, like they open in – this is um, Florida Atlantic. They open in Chicago for the Barcel Sports Invitational against Loyola, Chicago, so that's a true road game, basically. <laughs> I just love that Barstool has their own show. Right, their own isn't turn. it? And then they play <laughs> – then they're in the ESPN Invitational in Florida where they get Butler and mm-hmm. uh, the winner of, like, Penn State A&M, so that's a good test. And in the field of 68 mm-hmm. Classic, which is also funny, what I like about this is yep. not a tournament, but it's it's got Florida Atlantic, Charleston, and Liberty – like, that's three high-end mid-majors, really, when you think about the it.
1: One, the one thing Field of 68 has is John Fanta, who's, like, yeah. God's gift of broadcasting.
0: The absolute best. And then they're also doing the Jimmy V at um, um, MSG against Illinois. Jimmy V's and, always
1: good. Yeah. Yep.
0: And then they've got the basketball hall of fame classic in Springfield, mass against St. Bonaventure, who's going to be pretty good this year too. And, and then they're they- not
1: the only ones like, Oh, you know, Gonzaga had that reputation. Like, Oh, they're the only ones that, re- because they have the profile that they can go out there and schedule these big teams schools because the schools aren't afraid of scheduling home and homes anymore. I think these other schools and ma- high majors, because they're all in the same conferences anymore, they just don't care. They're like, we'll take on anybody. If, as long, if, if we can steal a win against this team and it boosts our record in non-conference by just one win and it gets us into the tournament it was worth scheduling the game
0: right right and then they close their non-con really with um arizona in vegas on december 23rd so that'll be cool they definitely testing themselves with that schedule nothing really easy on that road so they should be ready to go for the american schedule now talk to me about memphis what do you think about memphis i think they might have
1: their most well-rounded roster that they've had under penny what do you think they snuck in and got Javon Quinterly on one more year of eligibility, and that was enormous because they um, they do have Jaden Hardaway, P- Penny's son. I think yeah. he's back. Um, and they had a controversy uh, regarding DeAndre Williams, where I'm pretty sure DeAndre Williams is not going to play. Uh, but they they still brought in Jordan Brown, who was the best player for Louisiana, um, the University of Louisiana, which went to the tournament. And they had kind of a rock fight with Tennessee. David Jones was a good scorer for St. John's. Caleb Mills at U- Houston then Florida State. They've got some pretty good transfers. They do lose DeAndre Williams and Kendrick Davis, who played there for a long time in college. Um, But I do think they're going to be competitive. And I think it's going to be them in Florida Atlantic for that conference championship.
0: Yeah, I think what often hurts Penny is his lack of continuity with the roster. Um, It kind of takes them a little bit to get going, but they're always tough come tournament season. So um, Mm -hmm. a, a sleeper name for them is David Jones, who left Patino and St. John's. That kid's uh, he's a bull. You can fill it at like that, that wing position. So um, cool. Okay. So, I mean, we think Memphis and Florida Atlantic are probably the favorites. What other teams in this league have a shot at sneaking into the tournament?
1: Um, So North Texas will still be competitive without Grant McCaslin. They got Roundell Walker from TCU. Um, I think as I already mentioned SMU and I just think they're going to they're going to actually try to be competitive. And if they're not, they're going to get taken down the bottom of the ACC ladder really fast. And they're going to wind up having to reset their program with a new hot, like a big coaching hire where they spend extra money. Uh, But I feel like they're going to try to make a push. I think Tulane is at a point where they can't keep all their, they can't keep their top players for more than a year because they'll transfer out now in the portal, but they're, they're good enough to slap together a good team, uh, under Ron Hunter for one season. So they might be able to make the tournament, but it's you're you are fighting upstream in the, um, in the American to try to get a non, uh, like a, like a non-automatic bid.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have Tulane, they have Jalen Forbes and Kevin cross. Um, those guys were good for about 35 combined last year, so they can score. Their problem last year was defense. So, Let's see if they can piece it together. Ron Hunter's—he's eh, an alright coach, I guess. Um, yeah. SMU might not be bad, um, and then UAB is a team that seems to always be kind of fun to watch, right? Um, I like what Andy Kennedy has done down there. Um, but they did lose a lot. Jelly Walker was about what twenty three, twenty four game or something last year. So mm-hmm. whenever you lose, yeah, Eric, that, that type Eric Gaines, of punch, who tough. played
1: at LSU, is going to have to be the one to take that spot. And Wichita State hired Paul Mills or Moral Roberts, so they got to kind of start over.
0: Yeah, and the, he'll he'll turn that around pretty quick, I think. Um, always a yeah. fun fun little league. They they have a, a lot of fun stuff to watch. So, what are your players to watch in that league?
1: Um. For me, it's uh, Jordan Brown at Memphis, who I mentioned, and then uh, Zurich Phelps at SMU.
0: Yeah, and, and to kind of piggyback off what, you, what we were just talking about, Jalen Forbes, it's Lane. I mean, he could legitimately average 20 a game this year. And Eric Gaines at UAB, because you're right, um, they go where probably where Gaines takes them this year. Um, and then next, which will be, these are the questions we'll ask in every conference, guys. So who's the AAC newcomer of the year? Now, this could be a transfer in, this could be a freshman, whoever you think is going to be the the – Best new player in this conference, we'll say.
1: Uh, Javon Quinterly at Memphis.
0: Yeah, and um, I I went with Jordan Brown at Memphis as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if one of them booms, they're going to probably be in a pretty good spot. And, you know, it's a possibility that they both do. Um, And then last but certainly not least, what's your prediction for the AAC player of the
1: year? John L. Davis, because they're going to throw the ball to him a lot. He's going to be sort of like the linchpin in the backcourt.
0: Right, and I, I actually picked his running mate and Elijah M- Martin. Um, so mm-hmm. I
1: mean, that team's—it's a really fun. good team. I mean, they went to the final—they went to the final four for God's sakes. Like they're yeah. good. You
0: yeah. Know? Yeah. Now, Martin was about a forty percent three.
1: I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, they could miss it. You know, with this, you know, they—they they get beat up in that non-con, and they—and they struggle in the conference. It's no gimme. Um, and. Whenever there's a there's a team like that that goes on this magical tournament run, the expectations are way too high the next year. So um, they they could mm-hmm. fall they could fall off their on their faces a little bit. All right, so let's roll on over to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, I am obviously still stinging when I see the name Duke because. I had talked myself into Cooper Flagg coming to UConn for a couple of weeks, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, but Duke, you know, Duke was his dream school, so I wish him well there next year. But um, So who are your favorites in the ACC this year?
1: Um, well, the aforementioned Duke, uh, they, br- they bring back a couple of big key guys like Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach in the backcourt, and then they bring in. And also Tyrese Proctor. And then they bring in a couple of all good recruits because they always recruit well at Duke. Even when Mike Krzyzewski gone and John Shire there. North Carolina is going to bounce back. They missed the tournament. They had a lot of egg on their face for how they didn't, how poorly they did after going to the national championship game in 22. Um but I I think they are going to bounce back. They have a couple more. They have more pieces in place now than they did before, and they they have something to prove. Uh, Miami lost a lot of the pieces that helped get them to the Final Four, but they're still very good.
0: Yeah, you can never anything Laurenega does is going to be good, right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, that guy just the kids love playing for him. Um, yeah, I love what North Carolina has with their incoming freshmen, and and the pickup that I think is huge for them was Cor- Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame. That kid is kind of a bulldog. Um, and he adds a little bit of length for them in the wing and they, they're just gonna have a different feel, which that team needed. Um, they also have uh Paxson Washick from Brown and Harrison Ingram from Stanford. So um they, they did pretty well in the portal. Um and obviously, you know, they got Baycott, who's in year seventy five. Um Yeah. And, and then, then, then in the
1: point guard spot they got um Ellie could do it, uh to reclassify and yeah. that was big.
0: New Jersey kid, that that could be huge for them. Um that kid's a bulldog as well. Um yeah, and Miami, you know, you, you can never rule that team out. Um, I mean Matthew Cleveland is down there now. Um, and then overall, you know, they lost Wong and Jordan Miller, who were, you know, probably their biggest two punches. But you know, Nigel Pack will mm-hmm. pick up the pace. That kid's electric. Pack and will be
1: good. O'Meere was good for them down the stretch. And they're gonna Norschad, sorry, and they're gonna um they're gonna use Wooga Poplar more. So it's going to be a good
0: team. Yeah, absolutely. And like we were saying, um, Nega will get the most out of them and Duke, you know, Tyrese Proctor is the guy that I really expect to make a big jump up. Um, but they have a good little freshman class as well. Uh, Caleb Foster's in there. Um, he's probably not their highest rated member of their class, but, um, he's somebody that is uh, has versatile scoring and he's gonna be a good like excess piece on that roster. Um, and then we've got a, I got a local kid from Worcester. I uh, grew up in Shrewsbury, Mass his name TJ Power six um, nine okay. kid from Worcester Academy that really blew up um, that ended up at Duke. he was he was a Virginia smelt like where he was going and then Duke swooped in and there he is. So um, you know those are definitely the best three. I don't want to rule out Virginia though. Um, So I'm going to throw them in as we start to transition over to what teams could make the tournament. They might be better than Mm -hmm. advertised. I mean, Reese Beekman is there Um, and you know, they're, they're the type of team that always bounces back strong when they're in the dumps. So um, I do expect Tony Bennett to have that team ready to go. Um, And they're going to lead off my, next group of teams that can make the tournament in this conference. I'm also going to throw Clemson in there um, as kind of a, a quick sleeper because they had a lot of scoring in the portal and they have PJ hall who will be in all conference discussion. Uh, maybe even the first team, if he, if everything breaks, right. What other teams do you think have a shot in this conference to uh, make a March run?
1: Clemson's a good choice. Brad Brownells in hot water again. Anytime that happens, he knows he has to deliver a good team. I also think getting Joe Girard was huge. Um, For them uh, out of Syracuse going to Clemson. So I'll piggyback that one. Uh, The other ones that I would say Pittsburgh under Jeff Capel. I think he figured something out. You know, he's got the he's got the Diaz Graham twins uh, inside Hinson's back. They do lose uh, Burton and Cummings and John Ugly, the fourth. But they're they're. I feel like Cable's figured something out. They, they want to turn I believe they won a tournament game. Um, uh, and they're go, I they're going to get a little better. And I think red Autry in his first year, uh, un, as the head coach at Syracuse, now that J, Jim Behem's retired, they might surprise. Cause JJ Starling went there, uh, from Notre Dame, chance Westry. They got out of Auburn. Uh, Judah Mintz decided to come back for one more year. as that star point guard, Benny Williams, they're actually I think they're going to be better than people think and they're not going to do that junk 2 3 zone stuff.
0: No, I think they're going to be a lot more athletic too. Um, uh, some other things to keep in mind in this conference where we're talking to the, the individual accolades, be interesting to see how quickly Micah Shrewsbury can get Notre Dame turned around. He's probably going to take his punches in year one, but he turned Penn state okay. around pretty quick. I mean, he's got that NBA pedigree. So, um, I think he's going to probably have a couple years before the NBA comes calling. So if he can turn I'll, Notre Dame I'll, around, it's coming.
1: I'll mention one. Uh if Bobby Cl- it's a what if though. If Bobby Clintman had come back at Wake Forest and they had Efton Reed and Hunter Salas from Gonzaga, that would have been a good team, but I think they'll just be solid. They're not going to yeah. be really
0: good. Yeah, for sure. And uh Louisville's still going to suck. Um, you know, NC the, State. The problem
1: for Louisville was when they lost um, I forget the name of the recruit. Uh but when they lost him to uh to overtime elite or whatever or overseas uh yeah. Trenton Flowers. That yeah. was enormous.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interconference transfers here too. Like Gerard going to Clemson, he was like almost 17 a game last year. Um, they've been, they were able to do a couple of uh, you know in, interconference flips. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of good players in this league. Um, I know this league was kind of down last year, but I mean, they were these were teams that were tough outs in, in March too. So um, Duke got kind of mm-hmm. stung by a Tennessee team that played their best possible game. Um, so. We'll see if North Carolina can bounce back. I mean, obviously Baycott wants to end his run um, with a much stronger year, and and um, you know, hopefully for his sake it happens. I don't like Carolina, but we'll see what, how that goes down. Now, who are the the players to watch? I know we mentioned a lot of them already, but who
1: are your top players to
0: watch in this league?
1: Um, I mentioned Kadu at at North Carolina. He's going to be very important. What if they're like if they're good? It'll be because he helped uh, try to make the make the the backcourt settled. Uh, PJ hall at Clemson is going to be a good player. He had a, he had a teammate who was also kind of like this strong, scrappy white guy named Hunter Tyson. He made the NBA, he plays for the nuggets and PJ hall was just like him. And that's why I think he's going to thrive. And, um, I already mentioned Wuka Poplar at, uh, Miami. I think he's just going to get a lot of shots up and Miami's usually got the best offense in the ACC. So whoever gets the most shots there is going to look good.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to go with Proctor. I think we, we talk about Filipowski a lot, um, but Proctor is the guy that really kind of was the, the um, smoke that, that made that team go late in the year last year when they really were playing their best. His defensive versatility is what makes him so interesting. And I think that kid's going to end up being a lottery pick coming out of this year. So that Duke team's deep. Um, we'll see where they, where they go with it. And um, you know, They've got a, a team that's just going to keep getting better because uh, they just know how to Duke, uh, recruit with that Duke name. Um, and then another name, you know, Reese Speakman, I already mentioned, at Virginia. I mean, I feel like he's got another scoring level to get to. And, you know, Baycott, again, I mean, he's a guy that has been synonymous with that league for a while, so he's going to go out with a bang. Now, who's the ACC newcomer of the year for you?
1: Sky Clark at Louisville. I think he's going to basically have the ball all the time.
0: Yeah, and I'm going with Caleb Foster, The again, the freshman for Duke. Um, I think he's going to be someone that's going to step in, be a versatile wing right off the bat. He can do a little bit of setup. He might be able to let Proctor do some more scoring, um, and he can defend too. So I think he's going to be the key to that Duke team going to the next level. Um, And then, you know, I know we're going to keep talking about Duke when I ask this, but who is the ACC player of the year? It should be Filipowski. It's going to be yeah. either him or Baycott. Yeah. Filipowski is another one that, you know, in any other year, normally he would have been a first round pick last year, but you know, he kind of deferred a lot of, of what he did last year to make sure that team was good defensively.
1: And, I think and to go back much. to that, um, conversation we had about the bigs, he's just sort of an older, he's a sort of an older relic of a player and yeah. he, he works well in college.
0: Yeah. He's going to have to figure out that, um, to kind of expand his his offensive game a little bit, but I mean, I say that as he scored 15 last year. So, um, you know, if he expands in further, we're going to be talking about a player of the year candidate. The
1: one interesting thing about Duke is that they they had trouble, like you said, in that Tennessee they had trouble scoring. Now Tennessee had one of the best defenses you ever see in college that year. So, but. I do find it interesting that the ACC offenses are not as good as they used to be. I wonder if that's just a, a new trend where they're just more balanced teams than they were back in like the early 2000s when they were just it makes all you wonder. Offense. It makes you wonder with how good Tony
0: Bennett always has that team playing defense if a lot of these teams started recruiting because they were so scared of how he put things together, you know? Because there's been a mm-hmm. lot of influx of defensive talent coming in there the last few years for sure.
1: True, very true.
0: All right. So next up, we got the Atlantic 10. Now, this is probably this has a good shot at being a one bid league, Um, but you never know. Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. But who are the favorites in this one for you?
1: Uh, I think Dayton's going to win it. I was thinking VCU, but the thing is, you know, Ryan Odom. That was a good pickup. Uh, who, he was in Utah State. Uh, people might remember him that he was the uh, head coach of UMBC when they beat Virginia, uh, when a sixteen seed beat a 1. But um, he lost so many pieces when Mike Rhodes left for Penn State. So I don't think VC is going to have enough ammunition. I think it's just Dayton under Anthony Grant. He's going to win this one.
0: Yeah, losing Ace Baldwin for VCU was a killer because that kid was, like, Defensive Player of the Year and Offensive Player of the Year. (laughs) So um, they lost a lot with them. I saw VCU play at... um in Albany last year. Um I think they played Saint Mary's in the first game of the day and that team still brings it defensively, but I'm sure that'll be a different vibe now. Um they got so, a
1: couple of Utah State people with Odom and Sean Berstow and Max Schul, but that, I don't think that's good enough. Like yeah. they'll be good on a A ten level. Um sure. but the problem is the A ten level is not what it used to be like a decade ago. That used to yeah. be forbid league. I would say now, like you said, I think they're lucky to get to.
0: Yeah, and um, that, that's true. I do like St. Bonaventure to potentially bounce back. I mean, Mark Schmidt, been coaching for 22 years. Um, he has a, you know, last two years were off, but he did have a couple of good years in the late, late 90s, like 2021. Like 21. Um, but he was able to reload a little bit. I think Charles Pride um, was, a, was a nice transfer in that they got. Um, he's someone that can fill it up. Um, I forget where he, he went to Brian, I think. Um, and then they were able to get Meek yeah, Adams well, they, Woods from they Cincinnati. got um,
1: that was a big one getting Meek Adam Woods from uh, Cincinnati was big. So I mean, with them, it's gonna all be they,
0: they've got a loaded backcourt, and then they also have Chad Vanning in the middle, um, who is you know was about 12 and 6 last year. He's about six six ten two fifty, so he can do some damage in this league for sure. So, um, that team's someone to keep an eye on. Um, and then what other teams do you think have a shot at you know? Maybe shocking the world and and sneaking into the tournament or maybe even screwing around with Dayton at the top of the of the class.
1: Uh, St. Louis under Travis Ford, I feel like he's sort of like a snake oil salesman. He's a, he's willing to kind of go wherever he needs to go to get players in, whether it be in the portal and I L like he's just one of the, like, I don't want to say he's on the level like Rick Stansberry when he was at Western Kentucky. That's not fair to say that was a giant sleazeball, but Ford is a guy who recruits really, really well at the mid major level. So I think he'll slap together a pretty good team. Um, and Richmond under Chris Mooney is just always competitive.
0: Yeah. St. Joseph's is another one.
1: Um,
0: they, they have a Mm -hmm. potential to break through this year as well. Um, they have three double figure scorers that are returning. Um, I think Reynolds Brown and Lynn Greer, I think his name is. Um, but they also were able Mm -hmm. to really just continue to build that roster out. Um, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I got to give, I'm in Massachusetts. So I got to give the UMass a little, little attention here. I'm really interested to see where Frank Martin goes. Um, He's obviously turning that roster over pretty aggressively year over year to try to get the right pieces in. But until he can pull some recruits in, it's going to be tough for him. But um, let's see if he's able to um, square everything away. He did bring in a 7-3 big. Um, one of the Majok kids. I can't think of his first name, but uh, we'll see if he can turn it around. He did get Matt Cross back, who was um, at Louisville originally. So we'll see if UMass can, you know, maybe have a 500 year for once. Um, and now as we go down the chain here, who is
1: the players
0: for you to watch in this conference?
1: Um, it's just one I can think of right now, and that's Gibson Jimerson, who I believe is in his final year at Saint Louis. He's a sharpshooter.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, I'm going to go uh, a couple of names that we didn't really talk much about. But um, James Bishop at George Washington, um, he's somebody that's a big time playmaker. He's able to do some stuff. Uh, Eric Reynolds is somebody that could really step into the rotation at St. Joseph's and do some big stuff. Um, and Cameron Brown, again, another St. Joseph's guy that um, can really you know make the engine go there. I'm a little high on St. Joseph's and I don't know why. Um, now, who <laughs> is your um,
1: A-10 newcomer of the year? Um, God, I don't have one. I'll just go with Charles Pride. <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, I mean the kid, the kid can fill it. And from Brian, that's that's a not as much of a step up as you think. Um, that was the one the who played.
1: Yeah, that was the one who played at Brian with the leading score in the country. I forgot his yeah. name already.
0: Oh yeah. But, um, it's a it's a crazy name. I can't think of it. It'll hit me. But yeah, Lo- he's led the, he, Kiss. he led Kiss. the.
1: Kiss.
0: Oh, Peter Kiss. Yeah. Peter Kiss. Yeah. Um, so that came out of nowhere. Um, and then who's your eight ten player of the year? I, think uh, Holmes at
1: Dayton. I was shocked. He even came back. I thought he, yeah, to, to Monty
0: Yeah. Looking at, at him, I mean, big time defender, big time rebounder. Um, he's, he's probably an NBA player. So, um, we'll He'll see what double, happens double there. Guy. Yeah. That guy, that kid's going to be a machine. All right. So now we are walking into my own land here, the big East. Uh, so I'm not going to take offense to who you have as the favorites, but who <laughs> are your favorites?
1: Uh, Creighton and Marquette. Marquette brings everybody back. And Creighton did lose a couple people, but they found substitutions in the portal. And they're bringing back Shireman. They're bringing back Kulkbretter. They're bringing back um, uh, Trey Alexander. That's a really good team, man. And they got a, a chip on their shoulder after that loss to San Diego State.
0: And I think that they have some bench pieces that are ready to go to the next level as well. Mason Miller didn't play a lot last year. They were pretty much like a six-man rotation last year. But, I mean, the kid can still shoot the lights out. He's 6'9". He's uh, Mike Miller's son. Um, they also have Francisco Farabello, who struggled to shoot last year um, after coming over from TCU, but he he only shot like thirty percent. I think he's a lot and, uh, better than that. Steven
1: Ashworth. Steven yeah, Ashworth. Yeah,
0: and Ashworth's gonna step right into the void left by Nemhard. And I love Nemhard mm-hmm. a lot, but but Ashworth, it's a step up for Ashworth to come into the big east, but he can shoot the piss out of the ball. So um, I think he's gonna be just fine. And um, a big thing for them, I think, is keeping Calc Brenner on the court. Um, and the big, big thing with that is, you know, Isaac Trout came over. Um, he was the old Nebraska Gatorade player of the year. Um, redshirted last year at Virginia, uh, but he's going to be in there and they still have mm-hmm. Frederick King who played a lot. So they, um, they're
1: they're deeper. Than they, they had, had a stat. They had a stat where I think in the games that Kolkbrenner didn't play, I believe they were like three and six. Yeah. or they didn't win a single game that Col printer didn't play in and then in the games that Col printer did play in including the entire tournament they were like some some crazy number like twenty three and five or something like that they were like there you go as far as he can take them
0: yeah I mean they're they're definitely a top ten team
1: um and then you know Marquette uh, Marquette
0: is obviously they're bringing back Tyler Kolek big East player of the year he was really in and even he national all American Yep, and they were a quick exit. But you know, whenever you have a team wins the conference regular season, then wins their conference tournament, it becomes kind of like what else do we have to do type phase. So um, the tournament was a little bit too much for them last year, but they did lose um, Omax Prosper to who's an NBA first round pick. I mean, that kid was yeah. very versatile defensively, and he was he was their grit. He was their guy that annoyed you. He got up in your face. He def- he defended your best player. He's somebody that they're going to have to check in with, but they do have Trey Norman who's coming in. He's a, he's a pretty big guard. He's actually from Boston. Um, He, we, all the other teams around here, let him slip through the cracks, but um, he might not get a ton of rotation minutes early, but I think he'll, he'll find some time later in the year. Uh, But I mean, I think the guy
1: is going to get more, more minutes played there last year. Oh, so I think he's going to get more minutes.
0: Yeah. I think he's an NBA player too. Um, Joplin is another guy that will oh, take on a bigger role. Um, and I mean the, the backcourt's a bunch of hounds, so, um, they're, they're going to be right back where they were. And I'm, I, I can't dismiss UConn from this list. They are top six in the country. Oh, you can't in.
1: dismiss the national champion.
0: Uh, nope. I can't dismiss them. Um, I mean, Donovan Clingon, if he's
1: on and healthy,
0: I, I don't care what Calcbert had done. Clingon's the more impactful player. I, um, I just-
1: I think the thing that really helps them a lot is that in the backcourt, they're bringing back Tristan Newton and Alex Caraban. They could have left, but they, but they stayed. That was enormous. My, my, my problem with UConn just this year, just this one year is that losing Sanogo in the paint, Jackson in the wing, Hawkins, uh, out on the outside, who was red hot in the tournament that those are three really big losses. I think they can cover it up well enough to contend for the conference. I think they're definitely in the running. Stefan Castle was a huge recruit. He's an NBA prospect. Um, but if Klingon's health is an issue, then, you know, uh, they're going to struggle early in the park. But then again, they struggled in January last year and they came back in March and just dis- destroyed everybody.
0: Yeah, and the schedule's no joke. Um, Hurley put a schedule together that's gonna have these boys ready for that tournament. I'll tell you what, last year's wasn't a joke, but this year's is even crazier. Um, to kind of go right off the bat, I mean, the cupcake level's way down. Um, but we go to MSG in early November and play Texas. Um, well, we play Indiana. If we beat Indiana, we'll get the winner of then Texas. Then you would play Texas, yeah. Um, and then you know we get a little bit of freedom from that for a bit. And then once January, once once December hits, things are going to get pretty crazy for my UConn yeah, Huskies. Uh, uh, Kansas,
1: uh, North Carolina, Gonzaga, <laughs> and yeah, then they and play at, their, their conference. It's
0: at fog um, for Kansas in the Big Twelve to, uh, Big East Challenge, which um that's always I'm, i was so happy to see that on the schedule because i mean how do you not get romantic about that game um clinging and, and hunter dickinson come on um and then that's all in like a two-week span we play north carolina at msg and then we play um gonzaga in seattle so it's going to be interesting to play nemhard in a different jersey so um but there,
1: the, the but the f- the important thing for UConn, I would say, is that they're going to be good. It's not like Kevin Ollie, where it was sort of an aberration where he just had everything work out for one year and they got hot in the tournament. I feel like it's more of an example of just that these programs, they can – there's life after the legendary coach. Like, yeah. you know, Duke is moving on past Shatsky. We already saw Hubert Davis get to the championship game in North Carolina after Roy was there. Danny Hurley wins a national championship. He's the third one. He's a third different coach to win a national championship at UConn in the last 10 years, which is insane. Um, but it just goes to show that we, we can turn the page on different names as the head coaches and that it's not all on them. Uh, if you can just put together a really good reputation for being able to recruit, being able to get people playing time and then getting hot at the right period of time. And UConn's just at that level now where you have to respect them again.
0: Right. And I mean, you're you're running out a lot. Starting lineup of Klingon, Caravan and Newton, who were key cogs in a national title run playing in front of 70,000 people. Mm-hmm. And you add Stefan Castle, who's probably the freshman of the year in the league. Um, and Cam Spencer, who, you know, is as much of a bulldog that can I, shoot. I saw him the, at uh, Rutgers. Three.
1: He was one of the best defensive players in the country.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he fits the Hurley landscape. And then you surround Castle with some other freshmen, solo ball, Jaden Ross, um there's a kid named Jalen Stewart who's from Seattle um he reminds me a lot of um the kid in Providence um I feel disrespectful not even thinking of his name right now Bryce Hopkins he's not as thick as Hopkins but he has a lot a very similar game I think he's going to be a good three-year player or so for us but
1: but UConn is now back at the blue blood big boy table
0: Right. And the biggest thing for UConn is the who steps up as a leader. And can Klingon, Carabin, and Newton do it. Cause obviously we lost a shitload of leadership with Andre Jackson and and Jordan Hawkins and Sonogo last year. So we'll see. I think those three are are gonna be the class, but I'm gonna turn over and, and go with who I think can make the tournament and I have Villanova, St. John's, and Providence not too far behind. Um, I might be a little early on St. John's, but but he put a good roster together. Um, and, you know, he took Naheem a lead from us, which still kind of surprised me, but that's leadership, right? Um, and then he's got a couple of his guys that came over from Iona. And then icing on the cake, the guy goes out there and he gets Jordan Dingle. Um, and then he is able to basically steal um, the kid from Harvard. What's Chris Ledlam? Um, they're a deep roster and I haven't even mentioned Joel Soriano, who's an all big East first team conference member. So, um, that's a, that's a deep roster. You know, their guards are going to hound you. Um, and Providence, I'm going to talk about in a bit. I've got Providence as my last team in the top 25, um, which a lot of people that are listening to this might be shocked by that, but I really like what he did with his roster this season. My biggest question mark when it comes to Providence and when it comes to Villanova is, are their coaches going to be able to hang with what's going to happen to them in this league? Because they're Kyle Neptune didn't do much to impress me last year. Um, it's and, a step
1: up from George Mason. Let's just be yeah, real for Kim. Yeah, English. Kim
0: English. He's got he brought Josh Aduro. He brought over some guys. Um, what I've seen from them so far is I don't know how good the defense will be. But the name to look at with them, I mean, obviously Devin Carter and uh, Bryce Hopkins are, are going to be right in the mix for all conference, but they got Garway Duel, who was a four-star prospect, some say is a five. Everybody that's seen that kid, he's a 6'5 point guard, basically. Everybody that's seen that kid said he's, he screams NBA potential. So um, there's there's a lot. And then Corey Floyd's back, who I still miss. Um, I thought he was in a big piece of UConn. But, um, and Jaden Pierre's another guy, he almost left, he jumped in the portal, and Kim English, you know, wooed him back. So I like the energy around that program. I don't like them as a team because they're what I, what I feel to be my, my biggest close ri- uh, conference rival, but boy, can I not wait for that Providence Georgetown game at the dunk?
1: Oh, because of Ed Cooley going to Georgetown. That, that yeah. is intense. Now I thought Cooley did okay at Georgetown. Do I think they have a, Team good enough to make the tournament. I'm not sure. Like I think it's gonna take a couple of years.
0: Yeah, Jaden Epps um, is gonna score a shitload for them. He came from Illinois. Um, They're in
1: class in 24 is really, but th- that's next year.
0: Yeah, and they have Dontre Styles from UNC. Um, so they've got some talent. They just lost that Masood kid that came from Kansas State. He was a big time sharpshooter for them. Um, so those are the teams that I think could really compete. I mean, I think you take those six teams. You know Creighton, Marquette, UConn, St. John's, Providence, Villanova. When you get, trust me, UConn finished fourth in that league last year, went on to win the national title. Once you get into that conference blender, man, um, any of those six teams could win that regular season. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, is it? Am I missing any teams here, or you think
1: I'm, I'm dead on? Um, I think St. John's has got a good shot. Villanova, we I know we t- kind of touched on it, but I think they're going to bounce back. They're they're going to be really good. They have Justin Moore for a full year. Who's healthy. Different.
0: Yeah, he wasn't healthy last year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and,
1: I'll, and I'll take a small flyer on um, Seton Hall. Like, I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, and Xavier, too. They lost Fremantle. Everybody's down on him. I thought
1: Fremantle killed Xavier. But Sean
0: Sean Miller is such a good coach that he's going to get yes. them playing the disrespectful card. Um, He got uh, Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky. Um, he could just coach kids up. Um, Kim craft is healthy. two We didn't
1: mention our, uh, DePaul and Butler. I just think they're going to struggle.
0: Yeah. Butler is the posh Alexander show. Uh, um, who, who left from St. John's, um, you know, they might be better than they were last year, but the con- this conference is a gauntlet. Um, legitimate seven teams that are six teams that I feel like can win this conference. Um, potentially seven that can make it. If Seton hall does what we, what they might do. Um, I mean, you know that they're going to eventually be good. Um, Seaton hall's not going to, Um, with Shaheen. They're not going to stay down long. So um, now what are your players to watch in this league?
1: Uh, Justin Moore and Villanova, which I mentioned. I also mentioned Cam Spencer, who's going to play one more year with UConn and Soriano. You mentioned St. John's like those are all all three of those players are very good either at defense, leadership or rebounding. They're all going to make a difference on their team. Yeah,
0: sure. And my my big one is, is Kolek, obviously. Like now the target's on his head, right? Um, is he gonna be able to do mm-hmm. it all when teams have a little bit more tape on him? Um Jordan Dingle at St. John's, I mean, that kid's gonna come in and be an instant impact scorer. Caravan for us is somebody that I think is isn't talked about enough. I mean, the kid shot forty-two percent from three as a freshman. You can't um, leave him open. Yeah. No, and his defensive prowess came on strong as the year went on. Um, and again, when you start for he let us let us in minutes for the bulk of the year last year. Um, that's something that doesn't go without speaking of. And and when you're a national title team and you get a freshman um, leading you in minutes, that's pretty big. Ashworth at Creighton and Bryce Hopkins at PC. If we look up and he's the conference player of the year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, his body frame might not play in the NBA, but the kid's super talented. If he can, looks like he got himself in some better shape. Not that he was in bad shape last year, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. got more of an NBA body now, so he could have a big year, uh, biggies newcomer of the year. I, I think I'm going to like your answer to this one. Uh, Stefan Castle. Right. Yeah. I mean, the kid's six, 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 seven. Um, he's going to be bringing a lot of that Andre Jackson defensive intensity.
1: He's, he, um, he looks a lot like Kim Whitmore. And yeah. I know Whitmore disappointed Villanova from a statistical standpoint, but he was a really talented player and yeah. Castle's kind of in that same vein. And
0: he's going to score, um, at the rim. He's not the best of shooters. He's probably going to be in the thirties from the three point line. But when you're on a court with Spencer Caravan and, um, Newton, you don't have to shoot that much. You're going to have a lot of lane space with clinging in the middle there to get to the rim, too. So um, let's see what happens with with that. But uh, the other name I want to say, I already mentioned it was Garway Duel at PC. I think he's the one that can make that team special. You know, uh, I cringe saying it, but um, he's the guy that if he is what everybody says he is, is going to really push that team that, that they should be better than last year. Um, and they were pretty damn good. And so Cooley had one foot out the door. Um, and then who's your biggest player of the year?
1: If he's healthy, Ryan Kolkbrenner. I've thought about Colic too, but I think Colt is going to win it.
0: It's tough to not say Colic, but the way that this league is going to be so big heavy, um, I think it's going to be a big man. Um, I keep an eye on Soriano for this just because he should be able to fill a stat sheet, but I got to go clean and it. Hopkins. I, Right. I got to go cling in because I just think if he plays his game and can stay out of foul trouble, he's the most unstoppable force in the league. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talent in this league, man. Uh, I mean, nobody would have ever guessed Kolek last year. And I feel like this is one of those years that someone's gonna it's come a, out of nowhere. It is a
1: loaded conference on a yearly basis now.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. I'm looking forward to everything again. So and that, now, this
1: was also the conference that made the biggest moves coaching wise, right? And, like they, they stepped up to the plate.
0: Yeah. Patino for, it was big enough. And then Ed Cooley was like, Hey, uh, hold my water here. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the team that I, I built. Um, no, now the who I, I think the Big East was a top three conference last year, but I don't think there's any question in saying that the Big Twelve was the best conference in the in the country last year. You look year, at so. the
1: Ken Tom like conference rankings, the Big Twelve and the Big Ten always kind of go back and forth, but it's usually the Big Twelve for the last four years. They also won the national title in 21 and 22.
0: So right. it, it's
1: now, just always a tough conference.
0: Yes, and now we spoke a lot about um, Kansas already, so obviously they're going to be the definitive mm-hmm. favorite in this league. Who else is there? Who else do you think can run, Houston, run them? For the
1: American. They're they're going to be good. Uh, Texas is. We talked about it. Max is going there. Baylor, who's bringing in Jacoby Walter and L.J. Crier. Kansas State, I think, will try to patch it up, even though they lost a lot of pieces. Uh, like um, oh god, what was the name of the um Marcus Marquez? Marquez Powell was that his name? Yep, Yep. Yeah. So they lost pieces, but they got some other guys still there along with their additions that that conference at the top is just really hard. But Kansas is a cut above those people this year.
0: Yeah, um, I I like a lot of the same teams, Uh, Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Texas. I think those are the clear top four. Um, But Kansas State's going to be there as well. I mean, I love Tang. What he did last year was definitely a a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, Now, what other teams do you think here can make the tournament?
1: Um, TCU is going to have a shot. Um, uh, thanks to getting Jameer Nelson jr. Uh, but losing Mike miles is big. Emmanuel Miller's got to step up. Iowa state always plays good defense. They just really took a hit because they were such a bad offensive team that they, they couldn't make a run in the tournament. They just wiped out the moment they got into the postseason. And I think Texas tech might surprise, you know, they made a couple of additions, uh, with their team. And I, I I think they're going to be better than people expect.
0: Yeah, and a couple of other schools I want to throw out there. Iowa State, um, that's a team that always brings a different level of intensity on the defensive end, which in a league like mm-hmm. this is, is kind of necessary. TJ is a great coach over there. He's able to get everything done. Off-burner, and they brought yeah. yeah, they brought in some good some good talent. Um, Omaha Baloo, I think is his name. He was a top-ten yeah, prospect. Yeah,
1: he's going to be a, probably a one-and-done guy.
0: Yeah. So they were really able to put some pieces together there. um, And they're a team that, you know, they could finish fourth in this league. They could finish 12th. You know, you never know. And I can say the same thing about Oklahoma um, who had their moments last year. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, they, they have John Hughley who's over. He's from Pittsburgh. He averaged a little bit over 12 a game last year. Um, This is a team that, you know, I think Porter Moser does his thing and gets this, this, team turned around this year. What do you thought? Also,
1: their last year along with Texas, they're going to the SEC next year.
0: Right. So, they're going to want to go out with a bang. I think that what he's building will play a little bit better in the SEC than what it has been in the Big, Big 12 just because of how deep that conference has been. Um, but at the end of the day, the Big 12 so goddamn good that one of these teams that we're not too high on now is probably going to end up being a four seed come
1: March. And West Virginia is a giant question mark because I think the Huggins firing midway kind of ruined it all because I don't know how dialed in that team really is.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, now, players to watch in this league, what do you got?
1: Um, for that one, I would say um, Tyler Perry at Kansas State, who we mentioned. And then there's a there's a freshman guard who's going to be getting a lot of playing time for Kansas named Marco Jackson. He's going to be good.
0: Gotcha. I want to say Jabir Nelson for TCU, um, somebody that averaged 20 a game at Delaware, kind of what we were talking earlier about the mid-majors going big. Um, Let's see if he can turn it around there. Um, Jamie Dixon's a good coach. I don't like the guy, but he's a good coach. And they have Emmanuel Miller. Who, um, you know, if if everything breaks right for him, he's a returning starter for them. Um, big body, six seven, real good wing. Um, he's someone that I think is going to really fill it up for them this year, and and he's somebody that I think you want to keep an eye on. It. And obviously, Dewan Harris, I feel like he's still the, the key that uh, the the straw that stirs the drink. In big time
1: assist, man.
0: Yeah, so we'll see where he goes. He's got a lot of toys that he doesn't have to score; he can just distribute and make things happen. Um, who's your Big Twelve newcomer of the year?
1: A Hunter Dickinson. I think he's gonna have a big impact for Kansas.
0: Yeah, I, I want. It's hard to not pick him, right? Um, I went with Jacoby Walter too because my thoughts with him is that Kansas is gonna be good regardless. Um, if Baylor's gonna be good, it's gonna be behind
1: Walter. Walter is probably going to be top five or ten in the NBA draft. Probably. Yeah,
0: kid's a stud. Kid's an absolute stud. Um, and who's your Big Twelve Player of the Year?
1: L.J. Cryer at Houston, a one-time transfer.
0: Yeah, so this is where I was giving Dickinson his props. Um, I just think he's gonna play so well in this league that, like I was saying, is pretty guard heavy. They've got some big bodies, but this is somebody that can can bang in the paint one one possession, and the next possession, you know, hit you from the logo at three from the three point line. So and the he's somebody and the two teams good.
1: we didn't bring up were BYU and Cincinnati. Those are good programs. They have good coaches, Mark Pope and West Miller. It's just this is a step up.
0: It is. It is, and UCF too. God bless him. Johnny Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Johnny Dawkins. He's, he's going to take his beatings.
1: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that that team, that that's going to be tough. That's gonna be, it's, yeah. It'll be very similar to when TCU joined the Big 12 from the Mountain West. Like, they had yeah. to take a lick in a few years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And uh, the Big Ten. So, we're going to go over to the Big Ten. Now, this, I think, is a Purdue and Michigan State pretty exclusive conference here. D- is anybody going to kind of punch up and give them a fight?
1: I mean, the Big Ten always gets a lot of members in, you know, as a power conference, one of the stronger ones. Great attendance uh, in terms of their fan bases. But I just don't think there's teams better equipped than Purdue and Michigan State.
0: And Purdue's got a team. They lost Brandon Newman, who averaged like six a game. They lost David Jenkins, who barely played, um, shot like 28 mm-hmm. percent from three. Everybody else around Edie is going to be better. Um, they brought in Roosevelt Colvin's kid which I found interesting. He was like a top 75 um, recruit. Um, he's going to come in um, and play a little bit here. It was at West Lafayette, I think last year. Um, so he's somebody that I think is going to come in and give him some minutes. Fletcher lawyer is somebody that, you know, he's got a, another level to get to scoring wise. He really struggled shooting late in the year and he's going to get a lot. Braden of wide open looks. Smith
1: was so up and down. Like yeah. that was a big problem with that, with their back. So
0: I feel like now that painter, I don't even know that painter expected Edie to be as good as he was last year. So I feel like a full off season of prepping that team. I think the continuity is going to be good. And they kind of could have that Virginia feel when Virginia got smacked around as a one seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then they came back the next year and won it. Purdue did the same exact thing this year. So um, they yep. have that bad taste in their mouth, and they have Zach Eady, who, you know, if he doesn't win Conference Player of the Year, I mean National Player of the Year again, then I.
1: They be lack athleticism, and I don't think they answered that question in the portal or in recruiting this year. Uh, but they they still have Zach Eady, and that's a very tough matchup.
0: Right, and the, their biggest battle, battle um, thing to think about is Michigan State, because that Michigan State team is absolutely loaded uh, between Tyson Walker, who is just going to continue to grow, continue to fill it up, um, and A.J. Hoggard. I mean, you've got an amazing backcourt. You've got two guys that can do whatever you need. They also have, were able to bring in a, a pretty electric recruiting class, Xavier Booker, who was absolutely dominant in the McDonald's All-American game. Um, He was their high. He's probably their highest prospect since Triple J went there. Um, And then Cohen Carr, who is just a complete freak of an athlete. um, He's somebody that's going to really be able to earn minutes on that roster. They also have um,
1: two really two good rebounding bigs and Matty Sissoko and Malik Hall. And we all know Tom Izzo's best teams are the good rebounding teams.
0: Right. They are going to be a really good team. Um, And Izzo, I think, is going to have this team really focused on You know, slaying that Purdue dragon, which will be tough for them in the paint, but they're going to be able to do really well against Purdue with their guards. All right. So now what other teams do we have here? I mean, I'm a big Northwestern guy with Boo -Boo Booey. What are your thoughts with Northwestern?
1: Well, listen, Chris, I know there's a lot of controversy going on in Northwestern. Chris Collins has sort of been able to sidestep it from a media standpoint, but that team did win an NCAA tournament game for the second time uh, in its history. Uh, with, and it was, and they were both by Chris Collins. So he's doing something right. You know, you got Bowie back. Ty Berry is still there. Um, oh, losing Odege is huge, but they, they're, Langborg at Princeton, which was another team that that was another team that kind of surprised got to the Sweet 16 in Princeton. Uh, he was one of the best players, and that was a big one. They're competitive, man. Like, I wouldn't be shocked that Northwestern a couple of times during the season is actually ranked in the top 25. Like, they're they're kind of in that level now where you just can't take them for granted. Illinois is good. There, you know, I feel like sometimes their value is overinflated by their fan base, but it's, it, it, Taron Shannon Jr. is a really good player. Dane Dange is a good player. Uh, and Quincy Garrier from, uh, Oregon. Th- that was a good transfer pickup and Indiana got two studs, Kalel Ware. And I know we, people are making jokes about his arrest at Taco Bell, but McKenzie Magabu was a Magabu That was a really good pickup.
0: Yeah. I mean, Indiana's always going to be good with Woodson. I mean, he knows how to, you know, get a team ready. Um, and Maryland too. I think Kevin Willard is, was way over his head last year. Um, and I think that now he's got his feet wet there. Jameer young is going to be right there for big 10 of all first team. Um, they lost some stuff. They lost Hakeem Hart. Obviously he went to Villanova. Um, but then they brought some guys in the Harris Smith, um, combo guard can play right away. Um, he's going to play a lot of minutes right away and, Maryland mm-hmm. has one of the best home courts in the country, so um, they're gonna they're gonna surprise some people as well again. Um, and you know you yeah. can never rule out Franny McCarthy, uh, McCaffrey. I'm sorry, he's somebody that always has a team playing better than they were. They did lose a lot. They don't have any more Murrays in the pipeline, um, and they lost Verbrucker Le- as well. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. I feel like he's always got an ace up his sleeve. He does have a big time freshman, Gavin Griffiths, who is actually from. Um, New England Uh, was bummed that we didn't really sniff around him at UConn, but with the class we brought in, I can't complain, but he's somebody that's going to come in and and really be able to, you know, make an impact. So um, any other teams we're missing out on Wisconsin, maybe? Uh,
1: Ohio state might bounce back. Uh, with Chris Holtman, I think Holtman's a good coach, and they bring back Bruce Thornton. They got Dale Bonner from Baylor. Uh, Felix Ak- Akpura's back. Like I think there'll be good uh, Penn State with Mike Rhodes as the first time as the as the head coach there. I think that's a little too much I, or, or a little too much of a of a replacement because they lost so many pieces from the team you know, that made the tournament. And then Wisconsin, Wisconsin's just a team that's always competitive.
0: Yeah, um, Rutgers is. I'm sorry, I was thinking Rutgers with Gavin Grissom griffins
1: that's where he went he didn't go to iowa
0: i apologize i was thinking about um steve peichel a little bit already um because i was ready to talk about them (laughs) um they lost a lot but i mean they they have a great home court advantage as well and and he always seems to make that team better than they are as well it's
1: a good conference
0: um there's a lot of good teams here the big
1: one the big one for rutgers is not this year it's the next year because they've got two five stars potentially coming in. They
0: could potentially end up getting like two top fives. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens with that. I think that they're going to be pretty much tailor-made to, uh, you know, bounce back in a post Zach Eadie world over there at Rutgers. So we'll see. (laughs) Now, um, what are your players to watch in this league?
1: Uh, For me, I would say that the players to watch, Terrence Shannon Jr., who I mentioned at Illinois, Jameer Young is going to get all the shots at Maryland. He's going to be their go-to. And we said it at the top, but it's super important, the Michigan State backcourt.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, they're they're both electric. Um, Boo Booey could lead the league in scoring. Um, Ace Baldwin, which I mentioned, the the transfer from VCU over at Penn State, he's somebody that is uh, an immediate impact point guard. Um, Kid does it all. And then to me, who steps up to be Ed's second option? Um, Somebody's going to do it. They need somebody to do it. Even a third option. That's going to really decide how good this Purdue team is going to be. And then who's your Big Ten Mm -hmm. newcomer
1: of the year? Uh, He was a transfer from Tennessee who shined against Duke and he went to Michigan. Uh, 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 Olivier Nakamwa. Like, I think he's going to be one of their better players. Michigan's a little thin. They lost, I think, losing Buffkin and uh, who was the other one in the draft that they lost to? Jace, Jace Howard. That was enormous that they were able to bring in back one or two of those guys. I think they'd be in good shape, you know, along with losing Dickinson. But um, they're going to be really thin. I wouldn't be surprised if Jawan Howard made them a competitive team in the Big Ten. But I think the combo is going to get a lot of looks.
0: And they have Jalen Llewellyn back too, who was the Princeton Transfer point guard that got Towards last ACL,
1: year. yeah.
0: So he should be back here. He's he's about thirty years old, I think. So we'll see if he can lead the pack there. Um and I'm gonna go with Xavier Booker. Over at at MSU, Michigan State, because overall, um, if that team wants to go to the next level, they're going to need some help with their big guards. And and, I mean, like I said, that Purdue Dragons and a big one to slay. But this is going to be a perennial top five team all year. So I think he's going to be an instant impact and he might end up being a one and done himself. Um, Big 12, big 10 player of the year. I mean, do we even have to talk about this one?
1: I think it'll be Edie again just because Painter's going to double down on the size. Like He's just going to say, okay, this is our bread and butter. We need to go. The one thing with Edie they got to be careful for and fairly thickens and expose it, and you knew it was going to happen eventually, is can you if you spread him out with pick-and-roll defense, is he is effective.
0: Right, so, and um, I will never, ever forgive the Big Ten for not bringing us into the Big Ten, Big East Classic for at least a year. So then we could play them and we could have had the klingon Edie game. Um, I feel like it's such a gigantic miss by that conference to not. The
1: funny thing, too, is I think they were both in the in the Phil Knight one, but they were in different tournaments.
0: They were. So, yeah. And yeah. obviously at that point, we didn't know Klingon was going to become the, the Phil Knight player of the, of the tournament. Uh, so right. um, it's just it's a bummer. I hope that they cross paths at some point uh, before. uh they're both out of the, out of the NCAA. So, all right, now we're over to the mountain West. Um, now, obviously this feels like the San Diego state conference. Do they have any, any other people that can push them at the top of this league?
1: They have teams that are good. Like we've seen some teams get those, uh, at larges, And I think those are good teams. Um, as in talking about like Nevada with Steve Alford and Boise state with Leon rice, um, Another one that has kind of come up is New Mexico with Rick Richard Pitino. The thing about San Diego State, you know, Brian Dutcher said this in media day where he was talking about we're the Gonzaga, we are Gonzaga, like we are a, a top level mid major. When you play us, you need to fear us. And I don't think he was joking. I mean, the, there's proof in the results. He got to the national championship game. We talked last year in the previews about how good the 2020 team was that team was going to go far too if they didn't if the tournament wasn't canceled so this is not an outlier for the san diego state the mountain west doing well as a conference is an outlier in the tournament they usually belly flop but san diego state this last this past season was the exception i wonder if they've kind of broken ground there
0: Right, and they lost a lot at guard um when they lost Matt Bradley, um uh, but then they mm-hmm. brought in Reese Waters from USC who was The uh, defense
1: think, is the selling point of San Diego State.
0: Yeah, and Waters was the US was the Pac-12 uh sixth man of the year last year. So he's somebody that Mm -hmm. is going to be there. And they still have Darian Tramble, too, who was, uh, I think he was the South Regional um, MOP. Um, So he's going to be their top returning scorer. And they have Jaden Ledee as well, um, who's um, came over from TCU. And I think he's going to take on an even bigger role this year. So, yeah, that team's still loaded. They're still going to be there at the end. And and Dutch is the man. Um, Are they fun to
1: watch all the time? No. no, But win.
0: They they got us to five points late and then Hawkins hit a three off a screen that kind of sunk the ship. But if he misses that three, that game could have won differently because they had all the momentum at that point. Um, Boise State's the team that I think can can um, mess them up a little bit, um, at least shake up the core a little bit. Um, Yeah,
1: this, this is one of those college teams where the son of the coach is the best player. Max Rice is a good player.
0: Right. And um, Tyson Dagenhart is very good.
1: And they also have Roddy Anderson who came over from UC San Diego.
0: He averaged about 13 a game over there. That kid had spurned Arkansas to go to Boise State. So think about that. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, they they if, if Dagenhart goes to the next level, that team's going to be very good. Uh, that's a team I just want to see win a tournament game. It's they. I think he's like 0-4, 0-5 They've 5. gotten no. there. Yeah. They've yeah. gotten
1: the tournament twice in the last, like, last two years, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, they have, um, they have some talent there for sure. Um, we'll see where they go. Um, and then another team that I want to talk about a little bit is New Mexico and Nevada. I know you already mentioned them. Um, New Mexico is a team that Patino is is seem to have them playing really well defense at all times. Um, no, I'm sorry. Good offense at all times. Their defense sucks. Um, so they have, they have Jamal, Jamal Mashburn Jr. Jalen house, Um, they're going to be able to put some points up on you, but can they stop somebody when it matters?
1: I was just surprised they didn't lose either in the portal, you know? And then they bring in Nelly junior Joseph from Iona, who was the best player for Iona under in Patino's last year there. And then they get the best player at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Isaac Mashila. So like, they're going to be good.
0: They will be good. It's just, hopefully he learns how to, to have them guard somebody. And then Nevada, they have, um, Will Baker. Um who left. So that was a piece that they were, that I think is going to be tough for them to take over. He went to
1: LSU, right? Yeah, he did.
0: Yeah. So we'll see where they go. Um Nevada was a team that always seems to kind of shit their pants late. Um, they look
1: awful in the first four. Awful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Alfred's a good coach, but he needs to get them another one. He's got to get them playing D because if you're not playing D in that league, what the hell is going to happen when you play, you know, play up a little bit. So, um, We'll see. I mean, they they still have that Blackshear kid who's a solid point guard. Um, But again, it's it's I don't know. And then um, any other teams here that you want to talk about?
1: Uh, UNLV under Kevin Kruger, this will be the best team he's had so far. It is like a short tenure there. Uh, He's got the Boone. He's got Keelan and Killy Boone. Uh, coming in. Uh, Luis Rodriguez is back. Um, it's not a sexy team, but they're going to be okay. And let me say this, Tim Miles at San Jose State, his teams are just tough to beat.
0: Yeah, they really are. They really are. Um, it's it's a fun league. This is another league that I like watching um, when I see them on late night. Um, and San Diego State's just one of those teams that always seems to get stronger as the year goes on and even if they start mm-hmm. off slow they're they're excellent and they're always one of the last teams you want to and see and
1: they the love tournament. and this is all about the ncw tournament not just matchups they love rock fights yes and that's absolutely. what happened to alabama and that's what happened to creighton and uh they got into a rock fight and yep. when you get into these games that go into the 50s and 60s it's anyone's game
0: it is um And, you know, they're a team that, I mean, that game of Florida Atlantic was was amazing. So, um, you know, I'd like to see those teams mix it up again because they're kind of the best of that next year. Um, Now, who are your players to watch in this league?
1: Um, For me, I'd say Isaiah Stevens at Colorado State playing another year there. Jalen House, you mentioned at New Mexico. He's a big time player. And Blackshear at Nevada, I think, has a lot of potential. I also like this teammate, Darian Williams, but he already left.
0: Yeah, and Jared Lucas over at Nevada is another name I have a focus on. I mean, that's a kid that averaged about 17 a game last year. He might find himself in another spot there. Another name at Nevada to keep an eye on is Jazz Gardner, um, a freshman that came in. But he was getting recruited by some big boys and he ended up picking Nevada. So we'll see. He can come in and impact right away. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned him already, but um, Mashburn in New Mexico and Jaden Lede at San Diego State. Those are the, the D, or he can he's somebody that can really take San Diego State to the next level, um, and really fill in for some of the gaps that they left last year. Um, who's the overall MWC newcomer of the year for you?
1: It'll probably be Reese Sticks and Waters at um San Diego State.
0: Yeah, um, I, I tough to argue with that, but I wanted to be a little bit of a contrarian, and I'm gonna go with G, um, Deedon Thomas over at UNOV. Um, he came over from um a Vegas. Recruit. He was a top twenty-five recruit that ended up at UNLV, and he stayed in town, um, which is really cool because I feel like Vegas as a sports town is really going to another level now. Um, obviously with their hockey team, and now they're going to get the A's, and um, they have the Raiders now. So if they, they got can the get, Super
1: Bowl, going to be there. Yeah, I think in January.
0: And they always do. They did had a good turnout for the tournament last year for the Sweet Sixteen. They do really well with bringing in Gonzaga and Arizona. I think the NBA
1: in-season tournament is going to be there, too. I just thought about
0: that. Yeah, so I think having a local kid stay at UNLV is huge for that program. And even if they don't take the next step this year, it can kind of help them in the future with maybe keeping some kids local. So we'll see what happens there. Kevin Kruger, you know, um, can he make that happen and shock the world at UNLV? Um, Now we will move over to who is the best player of the year who's the player of the year in the Mountain West
1: I'd say Lamont Butler he uh, at San Diego State he'll just fill the role that Matt Bradley had
0: yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with Deegan Hart at Boise just because I feel like he's going to have the opportunity to hang more stats when San Diego State, mm-hmm. like we were saying, kind of plays that, you know, who's going to beat you tonight type of mentality. So um, but yeah, Butler, Butler's a stud. Butler scared the crap out of me going to that title game last year. Um, Pac-12. <laughs> so now this is probably the last time we're able to talk about the Pac-12 in their current incarnation.
1: Um, right. So it's a I shame, think- but it is what it is. Yeah, I think this
0: is another league with the top three are pretty easy to figure out. I mean, we've talked about Arizona a lot when we were talking about Caleb Love. Um, USC's got a, a really high-end uh, freshman class coming in. Yeah.
1: And then UCLA. Their, their, total, their total number of like bids is usually thin, but they did have that one year in the bubble, the indie bubble, where I think three or four Pac-12 teams made the Sweet 16. So they it can be a good conference.
0: Right. And they are, I mean, you, they have good coaches and that, that's the key to a lot of things. Um, I mean, Ar- we're talking a lot about Arizona, USC and UCLA. I feel like we, we all we have all of them as top 25 teams. Um, is there another team that could crash the party here?
1: Um, at, at, in terms of winning the conference or just being like um, at, like a now. At- yeah, just team maybe stealing stealing
0: that large team or maybe being a team that none of these other teams want to play come their conference tournament.
1: I think Tad Boyle's gonna take a stab at it with Colorado because they got Cody Williams and they were able to get Tristan Da Silva to stay. Um, they'll be good. Oregon, you know, I know Dana Ullman had some kind of weird comments where it seemed like he had one foot out the door. Uh, but um, you know, in the uh, when the season ended, but. They're usually a competitive team. Talking about Oregon, um, so you never want to count them out. Bobby Hurley may have figured something out at Arizona State. Like that team was actually really competitive at the end.
0: Yeah, and their Bobby Hurley teams are always good when you least expect them to be. So um, a lot of yep. a lot of people have this team kind of on the on the downs and outs, but he's not a he's not a dummy, right? That that's a and, and I'll tell you what, he's watching his brother cut down a net. Drives that guy even more. Right. Because he was always the, the darling of that family um, having the Duke career. Um, but now yeah. he doesn't have a title that his, his younger brother has. So it's kind of funny. And they bring back those
1: Collins who was like a big time point guard. And then Adam Miller comes in from LSU. So it's going to be a good team.
0: And they, again, they, they're jumping into the big 12 in a few years. So they know that they're going to need to have change how they do things because the basketball level is changing a lot when you jump into that league. So I expect them to get super Mm -hmm. aggressive now and try to catch up to Arizona. um, at kind of more of a rapid pace. Um, Now let's talk a little bit more about USC. So, Isaiah Collier is what was probably the best freshman recruit in the country. And then obviously you got Bronny James, who is going to bring attention to that roster. Do you think that the attention they yeah, do you think the attention that he brings? Obviously, the health scare notwithstanding. I'm glad the kid's okay. Do you think that uh, the attention he brings might hurt this team?
1: I don't know if it will hurt the team, but they will get a lot more national exposure. Um, But Collier is a good player. They were not great last year. They did make the tournament, if I remember correctly. Um, They did. Yeah, Yeah, they they lost Drew Peterson. They lost Trey White. Um, I do feel sometimes like their value is a tad overinflated. It kind of reminds me of like when O.J. Mayo played that one year. Um, But that was a little bit more of a media circus than this. Um, The Brawny thing, you know, (laughs) I don't want to say LeBron will skip Laker games to go watch his son, but it's because it's a matter of convenience. It's they're they're both in SoCal, but Collier is supposed to be a lottery pick, So they're going to be good. DJ Rodman, who was actually, you know, he's Dennis's son, but he actually was also a decent player at Washington State. He transferred Um, Joshua Morgan's a good defensive player they've got pieces there for Andy Enfield. Like, they're going to be solid.
0: Yeah, and Boogie Ellis is somebody that you obviously have to always keep front of mind. I mean, him and Collier, that's going to be as tough a backcourt to stop um, as you'll see in the country. And Ellis now has the pieces around him that He could jump himself into that national picture and like, you know, first or second team, if, if all breaks well. So he's somebody that averaged like 17, 18, a game last year. Um, He might stay around there, but all his other stuff might show that they're a better team than, than, you know, they have been. So we'll see what happens. UCLA, is another one um they never really they lost a lot but let's not they lost almost
1: everybody yeah but
0: they pulled some to- some tools in too right um they have this kid a De mara that came over from spain um from that's spain. like seven mm-hmm. three and just a complete wagon they have another kid yeah they have spain. a
1: bunch of guys whose names i can't pronounce yet but by march we will <laughs> yeah
0: he's pulling all these these foreign kids over um and you know, on V
1: Day, Burke, but you can't, a like they're all going to be good players.
0: But when you look up at who's gone, Hawkes, Tiger Campbell, Jalen Clark, Amari Bailey, David Singleton, uh, that's just, yeah, uh, Do you still have a Dembona? Um, which they're going to have to play big ball. Um, Dylan but, I mean, Andrews
1: is going to have to be the point guard.
0: Right, right, and then they got Stefanovic, um, who's you know going to bring on a bigger role. Um, you know, they they got a lot of an experience here, but if some of those new guys pop, um this conference isn't that strong and Mick Cronin is that mm-hmm. good of a coach that I think they'll be okay. Um yeah,
1: he's gonna have to dig in a little deeper this year to get him the to- like be as being like a good team, you know, For last sure. year, I'm not saying it was hard. They had to overachieve with Hawkes. That's an overachieving type of player, but they were, they were really good when they played well. Whereas if this team plays really plays at their best, I don't know how, I don't know if it's even good enough to make the tournament, but they're going to be right.
0: competitive. For sure. I mean, this is, uh, they got a pretty wide range of outcomes. I think I have them as a back end top 25 team, just out of respect for, for Cronin. Um, but, but I mean, if they didn't, if they had a down year, it wouldn't shock me either. Um, now what other teams in this league can knock the doors down and try to steal a bid or, you know, maybe jump into that top three. If a team like UCLA drops, I know you mentioned Colorado already.
1: Any other schools? Mm Mm-hmm. Washington, I think this will be for Mike Hopkins. This will be like the make-or-break year. They get Paul Mulcahy M- Mulcahy from uh from Rutgers, Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, and they brought back Keon Brooks. So that that team is actually gonna have a lot of top-end talent. They have enough to put it together a really good offense.
0: Yeah, and um, or I'm gonna give Oregon a little bit of a, of a talk here. Um they brought back Dante, Nefali Dante, who's probably an NBA player, um, thirteen and eight last year. Um, he was really good down the stretch for this team. Um they still have Keyshawn Barthelemy, um, who had a hand injury last year, but he should look healthy now. Mm-hmm. Um they brought in Jackson Shellstead. Um, who is a local kid that's going to be a big-time playmaker for them. And then they also have a freshman in K.J. Evans, who was a top-20 recruit as well. Um, so yep. if they're able to get they, – they also have a couple transfers in, too. So he's got the roster. Dana Altman is another guy that gets more out of his teams than they have. They kind of disappointed last year. Um, but we'll see what happens with them this year. I mean, obviously, Khalil Ware was uh, was a disappointment for them last year. So um, we'll see what, what he turns around at. But I never count out a Dana Altman team. Um, and then another team I want to kind of mention a little bit. I don't really expect a ton out of them, but they could bounce back is Stanford. Um, they have uh, Pedro Soyakovich's kid. Who um, was somebody who visited mm-hmm. UConn, so I know a lot about him. Um, the kids, yeah, he kids was a played. he
1: was a blue chip recruit. He's not just like, oh, he's this guy's son. Like he he's a good player.
0: Yeah, um, they lost Harrison Ingram, but other than that, they bring a bring back most of the team. Um, they have themselves Michael Jones, who is a a guard that, or eh, more of like a wing, um, but he's somebody that came over from Davidson. Um, he was able to establish himself pretty quick last year. Um, he can score in bunches when needed um, overall um, we'll see if, if Hayes can can put things together for this team um, but there's somebody to kind of keep an eye on as somebody that could be better than they um, you know normally are um, now who is your players to watch in this conference?
1: um I mentioned Cody Williams he'll be a high end player in terms of talent and then Fardo's amok who, um, he was at Utah Valley state. He transferred, he had an injury, so he didn't play for Texas tech until later in the year, but he really came on late in the year and he's going to play one year at Cal under their first year, uh, um, under Mark Madison. Uh, the thing is Cal, I I don't have the record in front of me, but I think they went winless in the pac 12. Like they are, they were bottom of the barrel bad. So you can only go up from there, but Amok's going to be one of their top players.
0: Sure. And um, for me, I'm going to say Kylan Boswell from Arizona. Um, he's kind of mm. he kind of will benefit from Caleb Love being around there because he can kind of fly under the radar. But that kid is a is a potential superstar um, electric scorer. He's fast as hell. Uh, Boogie Ellis, you know, he's somebody that I think we already spoke to. Um, and uh, De silver over at Colorado is very good. A name I wanted to throw out there is Jared Bynum coming over from Providence. Uh, Providence to Stanford. You probably can't change how you live your life any differently than that. But from what I know, <laughs> what I know about Jared Bynum is keeping him away from the casinos is a good thing. Um look at that kid two years ago when they were a Sweet 16 team was the one of the scariest bench guards in the country. Um last year he just it didn't work out for him. The defensive side of him, he's a small guy, he's 5'10. But in a league like the Pac-12, who can sometimes play a little bit more open than the Big East does, I think he might have some big scoring performances for that team. And if that Stanford team is going to be good, it's probably because he took on a big leadership role, um, which might have been where what sent him out of Providence. But if Cooley stayed there, he probably would have came back for another year. Um, And then uh, who's your Pac-12 newcomer of the year? Uh, Caleb Lovett, Arizona. Yeah, I, I'm gonna stick with Isaiah Collier just because he's got that lottery potential, um, and he's somebody that could really break through as one of the best players in the country if he's as good as as advertised. Um, overall, who's gonna end up being the Pac-12 Player of the Year?
1: Uh, I'll go with Boogie Ellis at USC.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of shake it up and go with Omar Baal, um over at Arizona. I mean, when that kid's on, he's pretty fucking unstoppable. <laughs> um, he's just a true true post presence. The kids are one of the immovable. fastest
1: offenses in the, in the country, not just on a mid, like on a regular, like high major, like in general, they're one of the fastest offenses.
0: Yeah. And they can play a lot of inside out with him and love and, and Boswell. And you still got Pelly Larson around there. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a fun team. And uh, Tommy Lloyd, I mean, he figures out a way to get Ballo going. So um, we'll see. Uh, they lost a lot with two but I think that's just going to allow um, Ballo to kind of even have more free reign to do his thing. So I'm going to give him the nod. Um, two conferences left. I'm going to talk about the mid majors. We've got the SEC with um, you know some favorites that I mean are the ones that are normally favorites the last few years: uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Do you think anybody else can crack that top tier?
1: Alabama, I don't want to count out Nate Oates anymore. It seems like he's able – he's got the magic touch, like in terms of – he had a lot going in his favor because he he got a couple of guys that wound up really working out well for him as freshmen and Brandon Miller and uh, Noah Clowney, controversy notwithstanding. But they were a good team. They deserved their one seed even though they got bounced uh, early. And they're going to be competitive again, even though they lost a lot of their pieces. Uh, Kentucky is – fairly loaded I, I mean if that's a the right way of saying it uh, but i i do think they're going to be competitive arkansas you never want to count out it during by the time you get to march and tennessee's just got a great defense
0: yeah um the thing about alabama is i don't have them in that tier because there's a lot of unknowns there's a lot of roster turnover here but mm-hmm. a, a name to keep an eye on with them is grant nelson um, who was just a, a, a load um at North Dakota State. Yeah. Um now he's in there. I mean, he was a guy that when he hit the portal, I think every every team in the country probably, And they love shooting at him.
1: Alabama. So
0: Yeah, so he'll fit that in. kind of play. He's somebody that got some um he he tried sniffed around the league, um, played in a couple camps. He's somebody that I think with a big year could find himself himself as a second round pick next year. He kinda plays that big NBA style. Um, And then Aaron Estrada came over from Hofstra. Um, That's another name. It's really those two transfers are probably going to decide where this team goes, but keep an eye on Mark Sears. He's just a steady, steady name for them. Kind of steers the ship. Um, But yeah, Kentucky, again, overly loaded amount of of change on this team. But Antonio Reeves is going to be the calming presence for them. Like he was last year late. He really came on strong.
1: They're big. Their biggest recruit was Aaron Bradshaw, but he got injured. I don't know if he'll be ready for the season.
0: They still have Justin Edwards, though, who was a top five Mm -hmm. recruit as well. Um, They brought Trey Mitchell over, who's played for like half the country, Um, started at UMass, Texas, and (laughs) West Virginia. Now he's at Kentucky. They needed a big body, so they took him. Um, DJ Wagner is another one. He was the McDonald's All-American MVP. Um, One thing you don't have to worry about at Kentucky is them reloading, right? Um, And if you got a, a... 50 year senior and Antonio Reeves during the ship um, this is going to be a really good team um, as, long as, a he, big one. Yeah, as long
1: as as long as he
0: right as long as he gets them to play defense which sometimes can be a struggle for Cal um, but this is a big year for Cal Perry he's got the talent he's got the pieces in place um, the excuses only last for so long um, and then obviously mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee Tennessee is a team that you know broke through last year and got into the sweet 16. Um, they're a team that is coached very well. Um, Rick Barnes is historically a poor March performer, but he puts them in a good spot to get Mm -hmm. to a position there. Um, they brought in some freshmen. They still have Santiago Viscovi. Um, they have a team that, you know, is going to play defense. You know, they're going to be scrappy. They kind of remind me of Virginia, the way they play ball. Um, they're going to lose some games they shouldn't, but they're going to beat a team that you don't expect them to either. So, um, I think Yeah, they're physical. They'll beat you up, um, and they have—they—they they don't have that Plavsic kid who just came in as a big last year, and just literally like threw punches. Uh, but um, we'll see. They really out physical, and they got Sakai Ziegler back, who was a big piece that they lost last year. Um, and then He's coming another, off a
1: torn ACL, so hopefully he comes back okay.
0: Right, and then another name we haven't even mentioned yet is um, Texas A&M. Um, Buzz Williams always has that team playing a little bit ab- above their heads. And, and Wade Taylor mm-hmm. uh, might be the conference player of the year at all at the end of the year. So um, that's a that's a team. I mean, this is a deep conference when you think of it. That's a lot of high end.
1: Yeah, talent. I don't feel like it's a top heavy uh, conference ever. I just think yeah. there's always a lot of depth there. There's always an ingredient in each team where if it hits just right and they get the right matchup, they could move on.
0: Yeah, it always seems like this is a league where a team comes out of nowhere and ends up in the top 10 before you know it. Um, Another team to keep an eye on is uh, Chris Jans in Mississippi State. Um, They lost pretty much nothing last year. Um, They lost Eric Reed, who didn't play much. Um, They were able to bring in Andrew Taylor, who came over from Marshall um and they needed shooting and that's what he brings so um you know jans is a good coach i mean i still have nightmares of the new mexico state game in, in 2022 for uconn um but that mm-hmm. you know that's a that's a bit of respect that i have for that guy because of that game um they were outmatched and they still whooped their ass um and then another team to keep an eye on florida um i don't know if i'm fully ready to invest in them yet um todd golden's kind yeah, of the guy I,
1: I don't know if I'm on the Riley Kugel train yet. A lot of people really like him as a prospect, but um, I'm not sure yet.
0: I do like Walter Clayton from Iona. Um, He was somebody that I was shocked didn't stick with Patino and go to St. John's. I know he wanted him, um, but he wanted to move to Florida. I can't knock that. Um that kid's really good. Um I think he's uh, like 44% from 3 or something last year. Um they lost a lot. You know, Castleton was a good big for them, but he also slowed them down at times. So, they might be able to run a little bit more than they have in the past. So, we'll see what happens. Um am I missing any teams? There's I feel like there's more to talk about here.
1: Um Auburn will be good. Johnny Broom's back and um you know, Bruce Pearl knows how to recruit. Um I don't feel like he got the strongest one, but Denver Jones is a good player who came from FIU. Um, we mentioned a little bit about um, about Texas A&M, and I think, uh, you know, granted that, you know, he did deserve to get fired at Texas for what he did. Um, Chris Beard will eventually turn it around at Ole Miss. Can he do it overnight by having Jamarian Sharp and moves Aziz and Alan Flanagan? I don't know if that's going to be the perfect mix, but they'll they're not going to be a rollover talking about the Rebels.
0: Brandon Murray too back in the back in the league. Um, there mm-hmm. were times that he really took over games to Georgetown last year on a bad team. Um, so let's see if he can you know come back to life down there. Um, also, and I'm, in-
1: I'm an fan, but they're not. On that level, yet. Yeah. I, I think Jalen Cook will be a good player, though.
0: Right. And um, Mizzou won 25 games last year. Uh, moving along the line, you still have Vandy. who Stackhouse did a lot more with that team last year than we expected to. So, again, I mean, we pretty much mentioned every team in this league so far. But we didn't mention
1: one. LSU, how are they going to be? Not good. No. <laughs> like, I think they'll be okay. But I, I think they'll be back. They'll still be in the basement because they still lost a lot of people from the team. That they had basically transfer over from Murray State. Um, I know you brought up Missouri. Connor Vanover is huge. Like he's yeah. legitimately. <laughs>
0: yeah he's a big
1: boy he was actually at Arkansas the first time then he went to Oral Roberts now he's back he's at yeah
0: yeah I remember watching him at Oral Roberts last year like holy shit that kid's big
1: um, they have Caleb
0: Grill too who came over from Iowa, Iowa State yeah he, he
1: like left a- under really weird circumstances at Iowa State like he left right before the tournament started
0: yeah yeah so that we'll see how he turns around he was a bulldog though um, now players to watch in this league what do you got
1: Um, the Tennessee backcourt um, like if they can up their offensive output, I think they're going to be dangerous. Um, uh, Mark Sears, you mentioned at Alabama, I think he's just a really good player. And, uh, Antonio Reeves is going to be the, the, the key ingredient for Kentucky. Cause he's going to be able to make big shots.
0: Right. And I mean, to piggyback off
1: of that, I think Ziegler
0: at Tennessee is the key for them. Um, Edwards and Wagner at, at Kentucky, um, Reeves will be setting them up Clayton at Florida. If they're going to bounce back, it'll be him. And then we already mentioned Wade Taylor today, you know, um, Who's your SEC Newcomer of the Year? There's a lot to pick from.
1: It's an Arkansas guy. It's always an Arkansas guy. Uh, Khalif Battle, who came from Temple. Okay. I'm going Grant Nelson for the reason being that I feel like he's
0: the piece that Alabama is going to need to kind of get into that or stay in that upper tier. Um, And if he's good, they're going to be really good. Um, SEC Player of the Year. I kind of went with a surprise here, but
1: who do you got? Um, I, I went with Mark Sears at Alabama. I feel like he's going to get the most usage.
0: So that's a good pick. I want again an area. I want to be contrarian. So I Trayvon Brazil is that how we pronounce it? Um, the kid from yeah, Arkansas. Yeah,
1: freak athlete, but he tore his ACL.
0: Yeah, he might start slow in the non con, but I think by the time we get to conference play, he's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, hearing some good reports out of him there. Um, that's a team that lost a lot, too, but, you know, Musselman always It's be the lowest.
1: must boss Yeah, like right. they always find people.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. And then the last conference is one that I know we already spent a little bit of time talking about. There's not a lot of teams to talk about here, but the West Coast. Yeah. So the Gonzaga and St. Mary's Conference. Is this the year that St. Mary's. Lands a big better seed than Gonzaga.
1: Yeah, like, and they've had some years where St. Mary's did have a better record than Gonzaga, and they beat them in the conference tournament. So it's not the first time ever that it's not like. It's not like an Alabama LSU thing or a Michigan Ohio State thing where it's like, oh my God, they finally got over the hump. Like St. Mary's is always there. St. Mary's, I think, was tied for the regular season championship with uh, Gonzaga last year. It just so happened that when they played again in the conference tournament, Gonzaga wiped the floor with them. But yeah, that's a those these the reason why the West Coast Conference at this moment, the way it's aligned with the conferences, it, it does bear mentioning. Is just St. Mary's and Gonzaga are just so freaking good every year.
0: Right. And they are – the thing with St. Mary's, and I noticed this when I was – I mean, I was like five rows from the court when they played UConn last year in Albany. Athleticism. That's not their, their ingredient, but they play tough. They, they play get down, the down on structure. the floor and they
1: scrap it out.
0: They will yeah. and they're gonna they'll shoot the piss out of the ball and next thing you know, they're on a twelve run. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, so I mean I love Aiden Mahaney. He's such a fun kid to watch. Um I like the his kid. He's somebody that, you know, can score at will.
1: Losing Logan um, Johnson was big.
0: It was. They did bring in Jordan Ross, um, who was a top one fifty, which for St. Mary's is big. Um he's somebody that I think is gonna be you know he's he's probably not going to start because he's going to be behind Mahaney, but he should definitely feast on some some of that league's second units for sure. Um, and then there's always mm-hmm. somebody that shows up there that nobody expects to be good. That is, um, so we'll see how that all shakes out for them. Now Gonzaga, Gonzaga looked like they had a rough roster, and then the transfer portal hit, and they were able to somehow yeah, they, got, they got yeah woo Ryan Nemhard not only away from. Creighton but it felt like when he left Creighton he was going to go to Arizona um, I don't know if Caleb Love had something to do with that but next thing you know now Nemhart is in Gonzaga so um, following his brother's footsteps and then Graham Ikey is another name coming over from Wyoming um, he's coming off an injury mm-hmm. but this is a guy that was averaging like 20 points a game at Wyoming
1: and he's still young. I think he's he was Wyoming's sophomore. best player for two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, they, then they randomly pick up a kid named Jun Suk Yao, who was like at one point he was like a 25 point score for like the South Korean national team or something crazy. Um, like where the <laughs> hell does he find these guys? Right. Um, and then, you know, Anton Watson, they got a pipeline. Um,
1: it's like, it's just right? like, it's just like St. Mary's with the they have a pipe. Right.
0: Right. So Anton, Anton Watson is going to be very good as well. Um, a team lost a lot, but they reloaded. It's going to be a different feel for this Gonzaga team. It's going to be as
1: good as like last year's with Timmy and Strother. Are they going to be as good as the year before that, when they had Timmy and Chad, are they going to be as good as Suggs and Timmy and, and Nemo no, but they're yeah. going to be good.
0: Yeah, it's just going to be a different type of team, right? It's going to be weird watching that team play without
1: Timmy. Yeah, <laughs> you know to kind of, like, make a – to kind of give, like, a – to make a generality of it. Like, I don't feel like there's one really awesome team this year. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of really, really good
0: – And that's when Few eats, right? When he can kind of sneak his way through the weeds, the expectations a little bit down. Next thing you know, he's ranked fourth in the country and fighting for a one seed. Um Now, like, they play a super tough schedule, like always, which I give him credit for. He doesn't have to do that. Um, You know, any other teams here that can sniff the tournament? I know it's going to be a two-bid league at best, but... Um,
1: the Pepperdine with Lorenzo Romar, but I doubt it. Yeah. You
0: know? Portland's a team that wasn't bad last year. Um, I mean, at least started off shitty, but they kind of came on strong late. Um, They do have a team that, you know, that anybody that's up in that Northwest market, it's tough to recruit. Um, but, you know, who knows? They, they, they tend to, they did pretty well for themselves in the uh, PK last year and kind of not embarrassing themselves in their home floor. Um, but other than that, San Francisco is one you always kind of have to keep an eye on. Um, but who knows? They do have um, a deep, like, foreign roster themselves. Um, what's that kid's name that they have as a guard? Is it Sheriff Sher- Sher- Jamps or something like that?
1: Yeah, Shrav Jamps. Yeah, he, I yeah. Think he was at Dayton.
0: Yeah, so he's pretty good. Um, but all in all, I mean I think it's a Gonzaga St. Mary show with, you know, maybe some someone like Saint, Saint San Francisco or, or Portland upsets him at some point. What are your players to watch? I just gave one of yours away.
1: Uh Shrive Jance at uh San Francisco. And uh, Aiden
0: Mahaney at uh, St. Mary's going to take it. Yeah. Big yeah. I'm going to say EK too for Gonzaga. Cause I feel like he needs to step in and play a big role right away. And he can do a lot of what Timmy did too. Um, Alex Dukas at St. Mary's pretty lights out shooter. He's somebody that can, that is going to really help Mahaney kind of go to the next level. And then Tyler Robertson at Portland. He's somebody that I really think can make that team what they want to be. Um, and overall, you know, He's like 16 points a game last year. So in this league, that can easily go from sixteen to twenty if the if the ball bounces right. Um who's your newcomer of the league? Is it does it gotta be Nemhard, right?
1: I think it's Nemhard.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean that kid was such a good court general. When Creighton needed a basket, he was the guy, despite all the other studs that they had. Um there's gonna be times that they're gonna miss him this year for sure, just in that, you know, closing mentality that he had. And then player of the year, I think we both have Mahaney, right?
1: Yes. In Mahane.
0: same here. Yeah, gotta right. Um, kids so good. All right, now mid majors. We'll kind of gloss over this a little bit, try to catch up some time here. Um, so what are the best mid major teams that we may not have mentioned yet?
1: Uh, so we met. So the ones we already mentioned, I'm not. I'm gonna omit them. Um, Wright State is usually pretty good, and they were able to get, I believe, Tanner Holden. So that was a big one. Um, Liberty is always tough. Drake with uh, Tucker DeVries, they're good. And I'll give you one that has sort of this kind of sneaky, good NBA pipeline. UC Santa Barbara, because they were able to get Jalen Williams into the NBA, and then the next year they got Brandon Pashemski in the NBA. So that that reputation follows you.
0: Right. And, um, you know, looking at the Ivy League, um, Yale is probably the class of that league this year, but never count on Princeton. Um, you know, obviously where Princeton went last year kind of brought new life to that league for sure. And I know that that's a league where they're all rooting for each other when they're not playing each other. Right. Um, they have Matt right. Noling, who's very good. Um, and Princeton got a got Dalen Davis as a, as a freshman. He's so keep an eye on them. There's always a the Ivy Leagues. When you get your draw um, as like a two or three seed, you never want to play them um, because, you know, they're going to be scrappy. Um, that's also a very fun conference tournament to watch. Um, Vermont they might be pretty good this year. Um, they, you know, they kind of have like, you think like one, once every 10 years they're able to jump into the party and and shock somebody in the tournament or at least push them. So I think this might be one of those years out of the America East. Um, they do have a great newcomer themselves in Shamir Bogues. Um, Bryant was, I wanted to say Bryant, but it's going to be tough with what happened to Jared Grasso, um, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but they still right. have Earl, Earl Timberlake, who's pretty good. Um, and then some other teams to throw out there like Drake. Um, they're a team that I saw play in Albany last year. They're always in the mix now. Kennesaw State, Weber State, Yale, Ryder. Those are the teams that I would say you know you might be looking at come March as uh, Cinderellas. Um, now yeah, I'll give you
1: one more out of the, I'll give you one more out of the Patriot League, and that's Colgate. Yeah, pa- tough.
0: Patriot League is another one. Um, Patriot League had some turnover this year. Holy Cross had a new coach. Seeing, I'm from Worcester, so I can I can mention that with pride. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, and then you know you get the Northeast Conference. Um, Sacred Heart's got some studs in there, but I mean it's still Sacred Heart. They're not going to do much. Um, now any conference here have a shot at two bids? Um, obviously Mountain West, we would expect. WCC, we will. E10 maybe um nobody else probably has a shot at this right uh
1: yeah it, i i would have liked to say the valley but um they had a couple of teams like chicago left you know they went to the ten. like i i it'd be really tough like it would have to be one of these situations where that like uh, we saw this with charleston where like that team was like way ahead and they were ranked and maybe they would have been an at-large if they hadn't won their tournament like that kind of situation
0: Right, right. Um, and and that was interesting because they had the resume for it. Right. But it was just tough to really kind of go through with it. Right.
1: Like Florida Atlantic, I think, was going to be an at large if they did not win the CUSA tournament.
0: Right, right. Um, and
1: who is the mid-major newcomer of the year? Um, I went with Tanner Holden at Wright State. He's going to get a ton of shots. Yeah. Um,
0: the one I'm going with is Aaron McBride who is a very high um, recruit for a Loyola Marymount team. Um, he's somebody that's going to come in. He was ranked like 30th at his position, which for Loyola Marymount is kind of a huge get. Um, he was somebody that really did well in the Peach Jam when he was 16, 17. Um, and he just continued to grow on. And he was a, a, a kid that a lot of the big schools are coming after, but he ended up going Loyola Marymount. And he's going to be a name that if he stays in school for three, four years will be, like the, the max ace type that just is going to be everywhere. I think he's that good. Um, and then mid-major player of the year. So, um, it could be somebody that you already mentioned, but who's not in one of the big conferences that's going to really steal the show again.
1: Um, Ooh, that's a man. That's a tough one. Um, I would like to say John L Davis, but that's not fair to say because he's, you know, he's in the Atlanta, he's in the American now. Um, man. Uh, maybe Darius Maddox at George Mason. He'll get a lot of shots under Tony skin.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with drew Pember. Um, okay. Somebody that I think, you know, he's 23 years old. The average 21, a game last year for UNC Asheville, 21 and nine, um, shot like 46% from the field. Um, just under 40% from three. He's a kid that if you ever catch UNC Asheville in some rinky dink game at like 2. PM on a, on a Saturday, Watch it. The kid's good. Mm. Um, They made the tournament last year, I believe. Um, He's somebody that I think is going to just, you know, he might push for top scorer in the country when all of a sudden. And
1: and I'll I'll actually give you one more. A sincere carry at uh, Kent
0: State. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, That kid from Princeton left, right? No, he
1: he came back.
0: Did he? Yeah,
1: I thought he did, but let me double check that.
0: Yeah, so that's one because I mean that kid was awesome in the tournament last year. So um, be interesting to see what happens with him if he did come back. Um, and then you know South
1: Dakota State. Uh, no, probably. He's, he's um he's with the
0: Pistons. Oh, okay, cool, good for him. He deserved it. Um, <laughs> South Dakota State's another another team that always tends to come out of nowhere with some kid that's going to average 25 points. Um, yeah, they're not. No, I
1: believe are they in the Big Sky? Is that what theirs is called?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: a tough. It's always North Dakota State and South Dakota State. One yeah. is the Bison. One is the Jackrabbits.
0: Jackrabbits, yeah. The Baylor-Syremen team yep. um, that I thought was going to be Providence a few years ago. Um, so now our top 25. So I'm not going – not having us go through all top 25, but I'll kind of have Andrew just gloss over what he thinks is important aspects of it are. What I will say is of our top four, we're the same teams. Um, the only differences that we have is we both have Kansas at one. We both have Michigan State at four. Um, Andrew's got Purdue at two, I've got Duke at two and he's at Duke at three and I've got Purdue at three. So that's the, the mix up there. Um, then as we go down the line, um, we both have Marquette, I've got them at five, Andrew's got them at six. Um, and then from there we can start talking about some of our differences. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew's got Arizona as a five. I've got him at 15 with room to grow. Um, I yeah. just, there's a couple question marks
1: I have there, but I think you're, you're thinking more so of like their ceiling, right? Yeah, I think their offense will get them over the top a couple of times in non-conference, probably have an undefeated non-conference record.
0: Yeah, I have Houston at six. Andrew's got them at 19. Again, you know, a lot of turnover there. So that might be a smart move. I just feel like he's going to have. That's hard the ball to say. Wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't have UNC ranked. Um, I need to see it before I can do it again after last year. Um, yeah, I put him at there- yeah, they were right at the fringe. But again, you know, that if they play to their potential, they're right there. Uh, I agree with you there. And then schools that I've got ranked that Andrew does not. I've got Florida Atlantic in the top 25 at the back end. I've got Texas A&M in there. And I've got Providence ranked 25th. Um, shout out, JT, if you're listening. Um, I just think that they're going to sneak their way into the top 25 and stay there for most of the year. Um, and then Andrew's got UNC, which you already discussed. Kansas State and Illinois. All teams that are on my radar too. So I don't think we have any of our teams that we would probably not argue were top 30 that were on our lists now. No, um, and there's a
1: team that's not, that's not in these at all. That might make the final four,
0: right? You know? Like last year, who had last year's final four. If you say you had even two of them, you're a liar. Uh, so, and I'm a Yukon fan and I didn't even have that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think St. Mary's, you have them at 20. I have them at 19. I have Villanova. You've got them at 21. I've got them at 20 um, UCLA. You've got a 22. I've got a 23 USC. You've got a 24. I've got a 22. So we're all in this. We're in the same general ballpark here. I'm a little lower in San Diego same, same,
1: Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same line of thinking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's just really like, who do we think? I mean, I'm obviously a big East guy. Um, so I, I gave the fifth nod to them. So now, Amid all of that, this is always obviously going to be a little bit off because there's always that team that comes out of nowhere. But looking at the bracket in your brain right now, who would be going to Phoenix for the final four?
1: Um, Yeah, it's on the West Coast again. First time since 2017. Um, Kansas, uh, just too top heavy. Tennessee defense. St. Mary's, they pull it off. They're the one that the non-Gonzaga that makes it. They're the West Coast team that makes it, and then Creighton.
0: Creighton getting over the hump is a good pick. Um, I just can't do it. Um, because I have to, I (laughs) I have to go UConn. Um, because I just think the ceiling is there. I've got them as my three. Um, there I do have Kansas and Duke and Texas. Um, as stealing it, I think the Ace Smith Show is going to make it happen. Um, But, you know, ask me this in December, and I probably have all four of those teams out of it. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Um, I just think that, you know, ACC always tends to find a team late. They didn't last year. So I'm going to give Duke the nod this year. And they're going to have that Cooper flag excitement going um, with a lot of turnover after this roster this year. So I think they're going to, you know, kind of go to the next level. Um, And, you know, other than that, We have been here talking to you guys with the college basketball season for just over two hours at this point. Any other bold predictions you have for us, Andrew?
1: Uh, Another Hall of Fame coach retires. Uh, It's either going to be Bill Self or name me another old curmudgeon. Tom Izzo, one of those two. Tom Izzo.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I think this is one of those teams that Izzo could – Know go on a deep run with, and then would then hand uh, hand over the keys to somebody else. Um, and he could always get Valentine to go back up there whenever he's ready. I'm sure that's the game plan. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the thing that I, I'm obviously thinking Big East, um, Patino. That guy's going to be in a Final Four within the next three years. That's my prediction um i think he's gonna really recruit the hell out like of new Rick. york city he's gonna recruit the hell out of new york city um i don't think he's gonna be there for a while i think he might be like three three to five years tops because he's getting up there in age um but he'll have a uh a, a, a replacement ready um and that's a team that you know people think i'm high on him, but it's patino man um when i saw P- patino as uh, a yukon opponent in the first round of the tournament last year i about shit myself because I knew that they were going to wreak <laughs> havoc on us. And they did. Um, we just got to them late with, uh, thank God, Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins showed up in the second half of that game. But Iona is somebody that, you know, if he can scare the shit out of the eventual national champion at Iona, what's he going to do at St. John's? Um, the guy just knows how to flat out coach. So that's the team I keep an eye on. And St. John's is the team. It's like what I said about Villanova last year that came to fruition, um, except they couldn't finish the job. Um, I said Villanova was going to be a very tough team to play come February and March. They were, um, but you know, it just didn't go as far as I wanted. I think St. John's might take some licks early, but come February, you are not going to want to play him at the end of that big East regular season. So um, cool. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, Andrew, as always. Oh, of course. Um, do you Thank have anything you to too. plug?
1: Uh, uh, just doing NBA team. Uh, We do, you know what that means with the W show on the North South. Um, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've got a big project coming up with, um, Ryan, um, with the Chronoso crew. We're breaking down a preview of every war games coming up as we lead into Survivor Series this (laughs) year. So even the one um, in
1: 2000.
0: Yeah, man, everything. (laughs) I've got one. That's one of mine is, is from the vault. It's not even on the network. Um, so we have some stuff that we're going to go through there. Um, and then obviously as we crank up in the survivor series, um, there'll be a lot more WWE talk there. And you know, it's November is a big month and then December is kind of quiet and then it's year end season. So there'll be a lot of of wrestling talk Mm -hmm. coming your way. And Andrew, as always, we'll be back to preview the tournament and just give everybody just God awful picks like we did last year. Um, then we'll, then we'll go from there. So, um, thank you for spending some time with us listening to this. Um, Let us know what your bold predictions are and then we'll kind of try to keep those notes together to talk about them at season's end. And um, I hope you all have a great evening and uh, go UConn and go LSU because that's what we're going to be watching. So have a good one, guys.